3: or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Folks, Black Star
5: Network is east. I'm real, uh, revolutionary
1: right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told.
4: I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roland. Hey, Black, I love
1: y'all. All momentum we
6: have
7: now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, there's the difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be Skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
5: Today is Monday, October 24, 2022. Coming up on Roller Martin Broadcasting live on the Black Start Network from Statesboro, Georgia, uh, where in an hour there's going to be a community event here focused on the midterm elections. The focus in this uh, state is to elect Stacey Abrams as governor and re-elect Raphael Warnock as the senator from the state of Georgia. We'll talk to folks here about that, including the pastor of this church that we are broadcasting from, uh, with regards to what this city is doing to turn out the vote. For uh, those two uh, black candidates Also on today's show Republicans have done all they can To impose voter suppression But a lot of their tactics are backfiring A case in Texas has been dropped Cases in Florida have been dropped We'll talk with uh, an official uh, With the uh, the council The voting rights from the Southern Coalition For Social Justice About how they continue to fight These efforts when it comes to voter suppression More than 7.5 million people Have already voted early in this country Country, an NBC voter poll says that's because people are energized about this year's election. Records have been broken here in Georgia. Early voting started today in Texas. I was in Houston yet last night for a GOTV rally as well. Plus, we'll tell you how Virginia sent about 60,000 voters to the wrong precincts. Speaking of Georgia Senator Lindsey Graham gets some help from Clarence Thomas to keep him from testifying in the uh, uh, the investigation by uh, by DA uh, Fannie Willis regarding uh, the 2020 election. Uh, and the efforts by Donald Trump to try to steal that election. Also, one officer takes a plea and the other officer decides to let a Minnesota judge decide what his his punishment will be for the death of George Floyd. We'll give you those details. It's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I'll talk to a two-time breast cancer survivor and a doctor about the importance of getting breast exams. In our memoriam, uh, we have Reverend Charles Sherrod who passed away, uh, folks, uh, last week. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Blackstar Network from Georgia. Let's go. He's
0: got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is,
5: All right, folks, we are here in Statesboro, Georgia, uh, back in the state uh, as we uh, focus on the huge election uh, taking place here. The midterm elections, of course, gubernatorial race, Stacey Abrams, and a repeat race against uh, incumbent uh, Governor Brian Kemp and also uh, Senator Raphael Warnock, who's running for a full six week term uh, against. Herschel Walker, uh, massive voter turnout has been taking place, but you still have Republicans doing their best uh, to uh, suppress the vote. A Texas man, folks, who last year made, made headlines a couple of years ago when he voted in the 2020 election, actually had his case tossed last week. The Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who happened to, happens to also be under felony investigation, he filed two counts of illegal voting against 60-year-old Harvest Rogers for voting while on parole in 2020. Well, in Texas, people who knowingly vote while on parole or probation, that is a second-degree felony, where a te- Texas District Court judge dismissed the charges because the Attorney General can't prosecute elections crimes unilaterally. Rogers Rogers said he was unaware of his ineligibility to vote, thus waited six hours to cast a ballot. He is not alone because 72% of all voter fraud charges brought by Paxton have been against people of color. Mitchell Brown is the counsel on voting rights for the Southern Coalition for Social Justice based out of North Carolina. Uh, and he joins us now from Washington, D.C. I'm glad to have you on the show, Mitchell. I mean, this is the thing that we're looking at here, whether it was this case, whether it is uh, the efforts by uh, Governor Ron Sanders in Florida to target the formerly incarcerated. This is absolutely meant to send a chilling effect and to keep folks formerly incarcerated, especially black people, from using
4: their right to vote? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, these are political ploys to chill uh, black voters and brown voters. And it's not about what you can prove in court, but it's about how you can chill voters and stop them from exercising their right to vote. That's what these cases are about. And as you noted, courts in Texas and in Florida have stopped, you know, Governor DeSantis and and, uh, Ken Paxton from from doing that, from making this a political ploy. And so I'm glad to see it.
5: But what it does, though, it forces these individuals uh, to have to spend time, money, and resources fighting a legal battle. It causes organizations like yours and others to have to spend resources. And that's what this is all about. This is, I mean, you know, we can look at numerous states in terms of how they are trying. Uh, to stop folks from voting and if they can get someone to say man you know what i don't even want to chance that thing so i'm just not even going to
4: go and vote that's how they win exactly you know and we we had a case um in 2018 where we represented five voters in north carolina in alamance county uh and we were able to you know get them to plead down to uh, misdemeanor obstruction of justice so not the felony charge in north carolina but the the most, uh, the most important thing that came out of that that was disheartening was one of our clients said that no longer is he going to vote, but he's going to tell his children not to vote. And so you have this generational you know, uh, disenfranchisement, this generational vote suppression that comes just from somebody trying to exercise their right to vote. They are criminalizing the ballot box, whether it be in North Carolina, Texas, Florida, or even Georgia, you know, especially in Georgia, where you are right now with SB 202. They're trying to criminalize handing out water. Uh, Why are you trying to diminish the right to vote? Uh, You should be wanting to, you know, make it larger and make sure more people are able to vote. But again, this is a political ploy to gain political points, and we have to fight back.
5: Well, and again, um, you know, and, and we're seeing... Again, the strategy here in terms of um, how they're targeting folks, because as we're seeing more people were formerly incarcerated get their right to vote, uh, many of these same Republicans oppose, um, you know, criminal justice reform, and so what
4: they're, they fear, they fear these are going to be potentially Democratic voters. Absolutely. Absolutely. They they fear that, you know, and and it just piles on top of each other. You have this criminalization of the ballot box, as we call it, but then you tie in redistricting efforts, you tie in voter ID laws, and you see one thing after the other that just places barriers in front of people trying to exercise the right to vote. Um, So they are scared. Um, And, you know, that's just been that's been their playbook for so many years, especially after Shelby County. Um, which struck down the, you know, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, which protected black voters in particular, uh, they've become more emboldened now to pass laws to diminish the right to vote because they're scared that they're going to lose their their place in the political hierarchy. Um, and that's just not the way it should be. Again, we should be wanting to, to make sure more people are voting and to uh, encourage voting. That's what we do. You know, uh, well, that's what half of us do. <laughs> and so we have to, uh, you know— uh, continue to spread the message and we can't give up hope. You know, those who want to uh, encourage voting, we can't give up up hope.
5: You know, one of the things that, um, again, when when you look at uh, how these folks uh, think uh, is a perfect example. Um, I saw this tweet today uh, from Texas Senator John Cornyn. uh, And give me a second, I'm going to pull this tweet up. And, and, And he was doing his part to try to, Uh, Downplay voter suppression. Uh, And so this is what he tweeted. More in voter suppression news. Turnout tracker. Saturday's early vote total in Georgia was up 159% from the 2018 midterms and even surpassed 2020 by 20%, the Secretary of State's office said. Uh, And so, quoting Politico. So this is what they try to do. And we saw Supreme Court Justice, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts do the exact same thing uh, in his ruling in Shelby Beholder. In their minds, there can't be voter suppression because we're seeing record turnout. But voter suppression is not directly correlated to a decrease in voting. Voter suppression is about making it even more difficult for people to vote forcing people to have to use provisional ballots. Now what you're now seeing is these laws where anybody can literally challenge someone. I saw one account where this woman went to go vote, and someone who wasn't even present challenged her right to vote. And so she said, wait a minute, what's going on here? And so by having these laws where any citizen can just file any challenge, they are trying to keep... Thousands of black people from voting.
4: Yeah. You know, it's it said that if, if you can't win the game, then you have to rig the game. Um, and that's what, you know, sadly, the Republicans and many Republican uh, uh, legislatures are doing um, by allowing these voter challenges to go forward. You know, luckily in some states, uh, similar to North Carolina, we have a strong state board of elections that's able to filter out, you know, genuine challenges versus those who are more nefarious. Uh, but again, when you when you're trying to rig the election, when you're trying to rig uh, the the scales of justice in favor of your part of your party by preventing people f- from voting. You know, uh, it, you have to call it out, you know. And uh, as you noted, uh, Justice Roberts said in Shelby County that basic discrimination doesn't exist in, in the same way. I would always tell him to go talk to my clients. Go talk to my clients who are, were prevented—almost uh, prevented from voting in North Carolina, given the voter ID law, uh, a law that the, the uh, Fourth Circuit—United uh, States uh, Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit said target black voters with surgical precision. My clients were almost disenfranchised, but it had not been for uh, the Southern Coalition for Social Justice and other organizations stepping up to the plate to stand in the gap for them and to prevent this atrocity from happening. They may have been disenfranchised. And so, uh, yes, discrimination may not be as in-your-face as it was in the past with our foremothers and forefathers, but it's definitely still here. Uh, This country was built on it. Uh, it's both on discrimination and racism. Uh, this country uh, has a habit of stepping into uh, discriminatory tactics, and we have to, again, continue to call them out on it and continue to, to push back against laws that will prevent people from voting.
5: Uh, absolutely. Uh, Mitchell Brown, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us on today's show. Thank you
4: so much for having me.
5: All right, I want to bring my panel in right now, Dr. Julian Malvo, Dean of the College of Ethnic Studies at California State University, Los Angeles. Uh, joining us, Eugene Craig, CEO of X Factor Media, and also Dr. Avis Jones de Weaver, uh, Leadership Strategist, will also be joining us as well. Um, Eugene, I, I, I want to start with you. I mean, I, I really get a kick. Uh, is Eugene there? I want to make sure he's there. Okay. All right. So um, Julian, Julian, I'm going to start with you. Here's the thing that, again, it it is so, uh, so ridiculous with, with these Republicans, they will say, oh, look at the turnout. Oh my God, we didn't suppress the vote. Well, if you look at poll taxes, if you look at literacy tests, if you look at Uh, the efforts, how they are purging folks from uh, the rolls. It is voter suppression when they are doing their best to frustrate people, uh, to make them jump through hoops, to make them jump uh, over hurdles, to go through a minefield just to be able to cast a ballot. It is all by design because if it wasn't, then they wouldn't be using all of these tactics under the guise of voter fraud when they literally can not prove voter fraud
8: they've never been able to prove voter fraud roland and we know that the fact is that they are attempting to suppress the vote not only presently but also generationally just as your prior guest said um the gentleman who was basically arrested for voting fraudulently he's been cleared now but he says he's not gonna vote again and what kind of signal does that send to others voting is dangerous I recall the 2012 campaign. I was doing some surrogate work uh, with, with Hillary's campaign, actually, in North Carolina. And um, I ran into someone, it was 2016, ran into someone, one of my former security guards at it. And I said to the brother, I know you're voting. He said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, why not? He said, you have to go vote. They had closed some polling places. You, he said, you have to go vote at the courthouse. And I have an outstanding warrant for my arrest because I have back child support. I'm not going anywhere near the courthouse. He said, he used to be able to vote, you know, at the elementary school. Now, the brother should pay his child support, A. But B, why is that the only place where people could vote? So you see this these kind of tactics again and again and again, especially closing polling places, when in some places you've got to drive 30, 40 miles to get to a, a nearby polling place, and we have transportation inequity. So if these people are full of it. But they, they, what they're about is regaining power. We know that. They're just about regaining power. And they are not honest. They're not truthful. Uh, what they are is uh, predatory capitalists. They're regaining power because what, hap- what has happened in many places, um, I don't want to talk about L.A. much, but to talk about some of the people who supposed to be with us who basically have attacked renters, so laws to make it more difficult for renters. Why would you make it more difficult for renters? So you can extract surplus profits. So this, uh, these cases, Georgia, I'm so glad that you're in Georgia growing. I really am. And I hope that you're able to help get the vote out. That's what the focus is, is getting the vote out, raising awareness, debunking these myths and not allowing them to win. If our votes were so insufficient, they wouldn't be attacking them. The only reason they're attacking the black vote is because the black vote is powerful. And it's a it's a new power, you know. A gener- two generations ago, we couldn't vote, so it's a new power. But it is a power nonetheless that they're attempting p- to prevent us from using.
5: Well, and if, again, what, what what you're dealing with here uh, is it is a question of power. Uh, that I've, I've been saying that for the longest, trying to get people to understand uh, what's going on here. And what I keep saying to our folks is, you must battle power with power also when you see these challenges uh and and look democrats want to play nice progressives want to play nice but this is what i say if the republican party if they're going to send white election um monitors into our polling locations and challenge black people well then we should be sending an army of black people into mostly white voting precincts and challenge their voters Hello. When they start complaining, then they start complaining, then they probably will try to change the law because we're using it against them. The, you, you gotta fight fire with fire.
8: Well, you're absolutely right. This is a really frightening situation at some level because, yeah, random white people, like the, the case you just were talking about, where anybody can walk up on you and say, um, <laughs> I challenge your right to vote, anybody. It's you, basically, you're weaponizing racists to challenge legitimate Black voters. And there will be very little recourse. As you said in the previous interview, people have to use resources that could be used for something else. Instead of using those resources for voter registration or voter turnout, you're using them to defend somebody who legitimately was voting. Or in the case of the gentleman um, who was a felon, First of all, he, felons should be able to vote, but secondly, he waited six hours. He wasn't trying to commit any fraud. He didn't know. So th- the information out there is inadequate, and so, therefore, he chose to exci- exercise a right, a franchise that he thought he had. He waited six hours. But this is all over the... Uh, people are waiting six hours. People are um, having to go down with their own food because the uh, poll watchers can't give them of a sip of water while they're standing in for hours in stifling heat. This this does remind me, I, you know, um, from time to time, I share a little bit of my family history when I'm here. My aunt was, um, This long story, she was actually confronted. She she died at 101 in 2000. But she was actually confronted with a big old jar full of jelly beans and was I tell asked to tell her, them, how many jelly beans are in the jar? Well, she had no way of knowing, of course, and she and her friends tried to do some metric thing, how many jelly beans could you put in, this, you know, in a small jar and multiply it and all that, and they thought they had the right answer, and when she went back down to the courthouse to estimate the number of jelly beans, they changed the test to, can you translate this passage into Latin? It really was like, we don't want you to vote. How, what kind of Byzantine brain come up with those things? They couldn't translate something into Latin. but They're going to ask a highly educated black woman who's been a school teacher in Jackson County, Mississippi, for you know, generations. She taught the fifth grade for almost 50 years. <laughs> ask her to translate something into Latin. But that—that's these are the tricks, and they're getting worse. And, you know, the Alabama case, of course, is another one. But let me tell you, I interviewed this young lady this morning, Shalala Dowdy, who's one of the named plaintiffs. And she said, if black people do not play politics, politics will play us. And 32-year-old sister, West Point graduate, just a privilege to talk to her. But that's that phrase suck with me. If we don't play politics, politics will play us. So all those folks who say they don't want to vote, you going to get played.
5: You know what, uh, you, you, Eugene, I... I um... You know, I, I talk to folks and they, and they say, man, uh, you so hard against Republicans and you trying to get all these black folks uh, to vote Democratic. No, fool, I'm trying to get you to vote against individuals who literally are trying to steal elections. And the thing is, they're not, this ain't overt. So It's not covert. This is very overt. They are being very vocal about what their strategy is. January six was the first quarter. This midterm elections is the second quarter. Okay, 2024, that's the ball game.
9: You have a bunch of Secretary of State candidates that are openly running and saying, hey, we are literally running just to certify the election the way, to, the way that we decide it's going to go, not how the voters decide it's going to go. You have a bunch of gubernatorial candidates that are literally running on either the big lie or the future big lie and um, willing participants and like folk like Carrie Lake. Um, you have, you know, folk like Abbott and DeSantis who, you know, have held on the power, know what they can do with power and are ready to turn it up a whole nother level if given another term. Um, you know, the thing is this. You know, it's not necessarily about getting people to vote, to turn out and vote Democrats. It's about getting people to get turn out and vote and stop bad actors. And folk got to work towards it. You got. You you mean, I mean, look, your rights are at stake here. Um, you know, and, and you have a lot of bad actors that are on the ballot that very well will be in power for the next two to four years.
5: You know, and, and and also, I I just I just get a kick out of the Republicans, uh, Eugene, who say, oh oh no no, we're just we want to keep things free and fair. They literally are desperately searching under rocks for voter fraud, and they can't find it.
9: Crazy, it this right here in Maryland, we have a gubernatorial candidate that is a whack job um, to the point where he just accepted a gift openly from from the Proud Boys, right? Um, you know, Dan Cox went up to Pennsylvania to be part of Trump's quote-unquote legal team. You know, and and at this point, he's openly saying that, you know, it's not a shoe in that he'll accept the election results the same way, you know, he comes preaching that, you know, in the primary. Well, the kicker and the gag here in Maryland is that Republicans control the boards of elections of all the counties because we have a Republican governor. So, I mean, these guys are just literally out of their mind.
5: And Uh, and so, folks, uh, here's the deal here. You know, we're going to continue to cover what's going on. Uh, We're going to take a break right now. We come back. We're going to talk about polling data showing the level of enthusiasm, folks turning out to vote. Uh, they continue to vote in Georgia. Uh, in Texas, again, early voting begins today in Texas. A uh, Polls open at 7 a.m. this morning. Uh, and so we're gonna show you some of the uh, GLTV rally that I uh, emceed yesterday in Houston. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, these new polls as well. And we'll talk about polls also in general because what I keep trying to explain to people, stop sitting here fretting over every poll that comes out. Spend your time driving your friends and family to the polls because that is the ultimate poll result, what happens by November 8th. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network, live from Statesboro, Georgia. We'll be back in a moment.
10: When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, Avar. We all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
11: Welcome to Atlanta, one of the most expensive housing markets in America. But rather than help out, Brian Kemp cashed in. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate, His net worth skyrocketed. And while Atlantans struggled to stay in their homes, Kemp gave $10,000 tax handouts to the richest Georgians and a nearly $700 million no-bid contract to his campaign donor. Brian kicked back Kemp, making Georgia work for
12: him, not you.
10: When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
12: You know what's on the ballot. It's not just legislation and policies we believe in. It's democracy, our democracy. There's a choice on the ballot between freedom and fear. Between cruelty and compassion, between chaos and community, between voting or violence, and the end of rights generations have fought for. The extremists have a plan, a roadmap for a nation where your voice is silenced and your vote is a memory, where they count their votes and cast ours aside. That's why this year, this fight, this vote is so important. Register, engage. Volunteer, fight back against the disinformation and despair, and most of all, vote. Because your vote is all that stands between our future and theirs.
13: Libraries empower the community with education. Liberia Economic Development Initiative, LEDI, is hosting the International Life Changers Awards and Liberia's Bicentennial to celebrate LEDI building the country's first modern public library and technology center. Join event host Roland Martin, our honorees, Reverend Dr. Jamal Bryant, Zernona Clayton, Thomas Dorch Jr., Dana Lupton, Dr. Tammy Gray Steele. On October 29th at the CNN Center Atlanta, there are no public libraries in Liberia. Area, but together we can change that. Get tickets at ledinow.org.
7: Hey, yo, peace world, what's going on? It's the love king of RB and b Raheem Devon. Hey, I'm Cupid, Omega the Cubit Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevilian And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin unfiltered. <laughs>
5: All right, folks, we're here at Agape Worship Center in Statesboro, Georgia, where uh, in the next hour, we're gonna be having a community forum talking about uh, this election. We're 15 days away from election day, uh, and we are seeing a significant uh, movement when it comes to voting across the country. Some 7.5 million people have already voted, uh, about 10% of that just in this state, breaking records in a huge way. Uh, In Texas, uh, they are voting uh, today Uh, as well for the first time. Polls open uh, in the great state of Texas. I was in Houston on yesterday for a GOTV rally, and uh, we're going to be showing you just a little bit of that. Uh, There were a number of performers out there, uh, and so we had a great time with the folks there uh, in Houston. Again, encouraging folks uh, to uh, get out and vote. That's what it was all about. And so Um, A new NBC poll also, folks, is showing that most Americans believe the political opposition is an existential threat to America. Eighty one percent of Democrats. Believe that Republicans' plan threatened to destroy America, while 79% of Republicans believe Democrats will do the same. The poll shows that what voters believe are the top issues, threats to democracy, jobs, the economy, cost of living, immigration, abortion, climate change, health care, crime, and guns. Uh, I want to start with Avis DeWeaver. Avis, uh, the, the, here, here's the thing that that we just have to understand. And, and Avis, I get these people, they're like, oh you know what, the independent voters, and you know what, I'm demonizing the other side. This for me is real simple. Just look at what are fundamental issues. Look at public policy and look at who they're benefiting. And one of the things that jumps out, and the New York Times did, and I'm really sick and tired of mainstream media, Avis, doing a story every other day about white people who are, oh my God, our our world, our neighborhoods are changing, our city is changing, and talk, and then this whole notion of white fear and what is the basis of my book, and and they're sitting here, oh my God, the election was rigged. I mean, these white folks have fallen hook, line, and sinker for the lies of Donald Trump, and and the thing is, and I keep telling people, what they are fearing is they are fearing the browning of America and what they want they want the old america where cities and towns were 70 80 90 95% white they control everything and people of color were subservient
6: absolutely in one word they want power word, and they are willing to stop at nothing to get it and it's not just um, donald trump Th- this is this is the the thing that we need to really come face to face with as a nation Uh, Donald Trump is merely the conduit for this feeling of entitlement, uh, for this feeling of undeserved um, privilege uh, that people don't want to go away, and specifically this large cohort of white people in America. And so really what we're seeing here is um, we're seeing here, as you mentioned, people hearkening back to a time of just overtly undeserved privilege on steroids, right, and wanting that time to never end. When they are seeing the, quote-unquote, browning of America, what they are seeing, then, is a reduction of their power if we remain in a democratic system where majorities are supposed to rule. And that is exactly why Uh, a survey out of, ironically, uh, professors in Texas uh, a couple of years ago found that white people who held racially intolerant views, their support of democracy declined uh, under the current circumstance, and their support of dictatorships grew. It's because they know if they no longer have the majority, which is the power-wielding block in a democracy. Be damned, democracy. There is no sort of uh, sort of real sort of uh, desire to maintain that system. It's the desire to maintain power by any means necessary. And right now, the means would mean autocratic uh, governing tendencies, and that's why we're seeing uh, such a strong uh, focus in terms of what's going on in the Republican Party right now. It is not about preserving democracy at all. It's about taking power at all costs because they understand that a rising majority that is not majority white will chip away at the power that they have been able to wield unfairly in this nation for generations, and they're not going to go down without, without a fight.
5: Uh, here's the thing that, that, that jumps out here, uh, Julianne, Uh, When I look at this New York Times article, and it says in Fort Bend County, Texas, things are changing. Mosque and Hindu temples draw thousands. Farmland is giving way to suburbs, and some Republicans feel their county is becoming more like majority-minority Houston. Once predominantly white, Fort Bend has quickly become one of the most diverse places in the country. Its congressman is an outspoken denier of Donald J. Trump's defeat. When Representative Troy Neels of Texas voted last year to reject Donald J. Trump's electoral defeat, many of his constituents back home in Fort Bend County were thrilled. Like the former president, they have been unhappy with the changes unfolding around them. Crime and sprawl from Houston, the big city next door, have been spilling over into their once bucolic towns. Quote, build a wall, Mr. Niels likes to say, and make Houston pay. The county in recent years has become one of the nation's most diverse, where the former white majority has fallen to just 30 percent, of the population. Hmm. Don Dimmel, a 61-year-old salesman who turned out last month to pick up a signed copy of a book by Mr. Nils about the supposedly stolen election, said his parents had raised him colorblind. But the reason for the discontent was clear. Other white people in Fort Bend did not like certain people coming here, he said. It's race. They are old school. Now, what gets me is the New York Times keeps doing these stories, and NBC and CBS. I remember CBS did a story, went to this town, I think it was in Iowa, sort of the same thing. And it's the same thing over and over and over again. And I just keep trying to explain to people uh, hello, that's what my book is all about. And that is, um, these white folks are freaking out, and not just in suburban areas. They're freaking out in places like here in Georgia. Same thing, because it's, oh, my God, we used to run everything. Now you have these places that are 30 and 40 and 50, 60% black and a growing Hispanic population. They cannot handle the browning of America. And, Julian, we're trying to get these black folks to understand these people, these white voters... They're flooding the polls. And so for all these Negroes who are sitting at home, sitting here yelling, cut the check, or tangibles, or the Dems ain't done this, ain't done that, they need to understand these folks have no intention on supporting anything that's on a black agenda. Roland, you know,
8: one of the things... Um, that really, I would say, tickles me. It's not funny. But the New York Times and some of the mainstream media seem to be in collusion with these anti-black people by running the kinds of stories that you mentioned. I mean, I don't know. I've seen them so frequently that they almost are repetitive. You could take the byline, change the byline, change town, and they're just the same thing. And they're really like beating the drum, you know, beating the drum of white fear, which is what your book is about. It's these, The words that are being used are dog whistles. You talk about sprawl. And they're not even dog whistles. They're dog megaphones. Sprawl. Uh, you talk about difference. You talk about um, crime. The crime is one... When we see national crime going down, these people still keep talking about crime. And they're talking about crime because crime is a euphemism for what? Basically black. So, as you say, these folks... They are, they're playing their game. The mainstream media, media is in collusion with them. I mean, Melanie Campbell is on a bus tour with some black women comedians, and they're, they're all over the place. I talked to her this morning. She was exhausted from running here, running there. That's a story. Will we see that in mainstream media? Black women comedians, uh, National Coalition of Black Civic Participation, uh, Sisters of Buses trying to get out the vote, why isn't that the story that's being told? Because that doesn't serve the majority. The, not the majority, it doesn't serve the white folks. Let's just call what they are. It doesn't serve the white folks. And so you get these other stories, oh, I'm so scared the, the Muslims have a mosque, and, you know, that's absurd. It's utterly absurd, or the, this build the wall stuff. Again, absurd, but this is the way the mainstream media has chosen to play. And that's why not only are you, Roland Martin and the Black Star Network, important. That's why all of us have to make sure, if we have even a toehold in media, that we tell the whole story and the real story, not this nonsense about scared white people. They've never talked about scared black people. We couldn't walk home in some counties, some cities, for fear of white people. Has that ever been a story? I don't think so.
5: Eugene, uh, uh, read more of this story. It says, certain districts primarily reflect Either the racial or socioeconomic characteristics, but the typical objector district shows both a fact dem- demographers said it was striking okay now uh, now check this out because they are more vulnerable dis and I see this th- read this line again: because they are more vulnerable, disadvantaged or less educated white voters can feel especially endangered by the trend toward a minority majority, said Ashley Jardina, political scientist at George Mason University, who studies the attitudes of those voters. "A quote, a lot of white Americans who are really threatened are willing to reject democratic norms, she said, because they see it as a way to protect their status. Now, here's what jumps out at me, Eugene. They use the phraseology... They are more vulnerable to what? Disadvantaged or less educated white voters.
9: What, what, Look, the thing is this, right? Um, by. The, 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 the their whiteness is protected. Disadvantaged by. The Say it again? Their class. So I said that their, their whiteness has protected them in the, in go the ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, their, their whiteness has protected them in the class system. And um, as they see this, the, the browning of America, as they see this becoming a, a minority-majority country, um, as they see their congressional districts changing, as they see their representation changing, as they see the society around them physically changing, um, this is their reaction. This is their backlash. This is their, their, they're clap, clapping back. That's what January 6 was. It was, hey, you know, our, our, our white savior is now going to be gone, so we're going to rebel. Um, that's what it was, a rebellion, right? It was an insurrection. Um, it's what you're seeing in a lot of these candidates. It's what you're seeing in a lot of these down-ballot races. Um, it's what you're seeing with this rise in, uh, quote-unquote, Christian nationalism, right? Um, you know, with the Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, to a degree, Dan Cox here. Um, you know, it's, it's this, it's this you know, last final grip of uh, power to try to hold on to because, hey— if my you know all I, to them all they have is their whiteness to protect them nothing more and nothing less all things equal there at the bottom of the totem pole in many cases
5: I mean I he, he, here's Avis I, mean, I I read this story I, I read this story and uh, I really do laugh um at one point they're talking about a district in Virginia and it says that um, once dominated by coal manufacturing and tobacco, the area's economic base eroded with competition from new energy sources and foreign importers. Doctors prescribed opioids to injured laborers and an epidemic of addiction soon followed residents, roughly 90% of them white, gripe that the educated elites of the Northern Virginia suburbs think that, quote, the state stops at Roanoke, they take umbrage at what they consider condescension from outsiders who view their communities as poverty-stricken and they bemoan PhD pollution from the big local university, Virginia Tech. Okay, so let's, let, let's stop right there, Avis. They take umbrage at what they consider their communities as poverty-stricken. Y'all broke. <laughs> see this. See, this, see this, this. This is the. This is the thing right here. In many of these towns and communities, Avis, these white people are walking around in denial about being broke, and so they're literally voting against their own economic interests. And and but here's the one that just jumps out at me, Avis is going to blow you away. Um. They were talking about, this was a place in Appalachia, and they were talking about the folk who got sick. And now the number of coal miners has plunged to less than 2,000 from more than 10,000 employed at about 340 mines three decades ago. Then Then it goes on to talk about this district in New Jersey where in Lebanon, population 3,100, where they have seven addiction clinics, and they talk about people who are sick, and they talk about folk who have diabetes and other illnesses. Yet these are the same people who hated the Affordable Care Act. So they're complaining about their illnesses. They're complaining about being sick. They're complaining by saying, Government forgot us, but Trump didn't when Trump wanted to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. Lied before four years saying he had a health plan that was never presented. And so you sit here and you go, what is wrong with you people? And the problem here is you literally cannot talk common sense into people who have none.
6: Oh, absolutely, you can't. Well, you know, as a Black elite PhD, let me give my uh, prescription to what's going on here. Uh, You you know, I wonder, why don't they just pull themselves up by their bootstraps? Wonder why not. I wonder, it sounds like they're undeserving poor, doesn't it? You know, I, I want us to think about these phrases that's been hurled at black people for generations, poor black people for generations. But now, when we're talking about poor white people, we're supposed to feel sympathy because they're drug addicted and they don't have sense enough to get up and move someplace where they can find jobs? Really? We're supposed to have sympathy for that. Uh, what, What we're seeing right now is people who have been drunk on undeserved white privilege for generations. And just like Eugene said, if you put them head to head with people who have more drive, determination, have gone out there and uh, achieved more, and particularly if they are black or other people, you know they are going to feel umbrage to that because they feel a sense of entitlement that it should have been them, when instead of it of them doing the things that would have put them in the Listen, this country was made to advantage white people, and specifically white men, in every way, shape, and form. If you are a white man and you find yourself poverty-stricken in this country, the country that gives you every advantage imaginable, then the finger you need to be pointing is at yourself. Because there's something wrong with you that you didn't have enough damn sense to take advantage of the opportunities that you've been given and that's been specifically, specifically taken away from generations of black people in this country. For us to a- be able to do what we have done and now they, th- they feel threatened by it, I say hold up a mirror. The problem isn't the government, the problem isn't black people, the problem is you. Get up off your ass and work. Mm.
5: Now, 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 Gene, you're going to love this one. You're going to love this one. Tim Wilson, a 60-year-old Army veteran who owns a business in Christianburg that provides wigs and other supplies to cancer patients, said he won a town council seat last year to help attract business and jobs. Okay, watch this yet he feared the cultural cost of outside investment. (laughs) A big employer, quote, no, 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 it gets better. A big employer, quote, would also bring with it all the executives and what comes with it from Northern Virginia or California, one of the strong blue regions, there is this fear. The same distrust drove feelings about the last election, he said. Democratic elites in the big cities, the ones who took people from being coal miners to being put out on the street, were pushing what he called the myth that the election had run perfectly. If we don't show the people that that are a level above us and a level above them in elected offices that we mean business, it'll." never change anything we need to show them that we have the courage to stand up to the status quo so now let, let me let me let, let, let me let me unpack that Eugene so what was his name Tim so Tim Wilson it's four is o'clock. complaining it's four that Tim Wilson is complaining that his city is broke he said that he was elected to the city council to bring jobs and investment. But poor little Timmy, Eugene, is concerned that, oh my goodness, if we go out and seek investment, then it's gonna be those liberals from Northern Virginia and California coming in here with their liberal views but Timmy, y'all want that liberal money.
16: Yep.
5: Hello yep. thinking and when we start thinking about all of these broke red states, and inside of these broke red states are broke red cities, mm-hmm. and these same broke red states with broke Red cities are filled with white conservative people who love to talk about black folks getting handouts and welfare, yet their broke red states and broke red cities are absolutely dependent upon money from the same elite blue towns and states, and they have convinced themselves that they are hard workers. So therefore, the money they're getting from the federal government is because of their hard work, yet them people of color over there who get money, is they lazy. So they're getting free.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
5: When in fact, if you putting in a dollar in taxes and getting $3 back, you are a leech on society.
9: The, the, oh. the, the, thing, is this, the thing is this, right? Um, I think it's hilarious. It's like, yeah, we want your money, but we don't want you. We want your money, we don't want your people. We even want your corporation, but you know, we just don't want those people, right? Because what's a company... Uh, you know, has a a foothold, handhold presence in an area, yeah, their people are going to be permanent there. And guess what? That changes. guess what? You heard it, new voters. Um, But the thing is this, you know, a lot of these broke red counties, um, you know, when Amazon announces a new HQ or a FedEx or Lowe's and all these jobs, they're fighting over it. They're ready Mm -hmm. to throw the whole county at, 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 at the company to get it. Um, cause they know what that, they know what that kind of investment brings. They know what that, um, uh, dividend and, and, and trickle effect is of having, uh, you know, that new economic base <clears throat> come, come into, come into town. Um, but, but, you know, he said the quiet part out loud, we want your money, but we don't want your people because your people are going to come down here and force us to actually change our culture.
5: and and see when you say change our culture that's changing our white culture. Yeah. And and Julian, I remember tw- I remember in 2016 when uh, Michael Moore was going on MSNBC and Morning Joe and all these shows and he was saying how 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 we really need to go to these places and listen to them and and listen to their pain uh and And understand where they're coming from. And I said, no, we don't. Because if you are (laughs) living in enclaves, if you are living in cities and neighborhoods that are 90% white, you are actually not living in 21st century America. You are actually an aberration. And so they want us to go listen to them no y'all need to come listen to diverse oh. america and understand what's going on that's what needs to happen julian
8: you're absolutely right Roland i mean i <laughs> i could not help but laugh as you were reading this guy all the what the first of all what the invasion of phds these are anti-education these people are anti-education what's wrong with having a phd you know it means that you have higher education but these folks embrace their idiocy But the second part, as you say, they don't want the money. These people have consistently voted against their own economic interests to preserve their non-culture. To use the word culture is laughable. What do they mean by culture? But they have basically pursued or embraced their own economic um, denouement. I mean, they would prefer to have the elite money stay in Northern Virginia so they can swallow in poverty you know, down there where they're upset about this and that. And make, be, make it plain. They are wallowing in poverty. When you look at these counties, you look at the income, the average income, you look at some of these things, they have as, almost as much poverty as, white, as black people. Their median income in the southern part of Virginia um, is about 20 grand less for whites than it is in Northern Virginia, the median income. And so, excuse me, do you enjoy being inferior? Yes. What once Tony Morrison said that the way that white people got to be superior is because no matter what else they had or didn't have, they always had the word, the N-word. That no matter what they did or didn't do, they could always put us down by calling us the N-word. And so you could be to have two teeth, you know two tufts of hair, and not but one change of clothes, and you still think you're better than black people because you get to call us the N-word. Well, no more. We are pushing back, we're fighting back, but the only way we really fight back is to vote. It literally is, and too many people are having these theoretical conversations. Like you said, the people say, cash a check. Well, those ADOS people don't have the sense they were born with because they would have you withdraw your vote for something that, if it does happen, it will take some time to implement. The only way you're even gonna get reparations, H.R. 40, Sheila Jackson Lee has gotten um, 215 or so, maybe 16 co-sponsors, it can come out of the House 17. but it won't go to the Senate. It won't go to the Senate. So, but, if, but if you don't have Democrats in that House, it won't come out of the House. So I don't know what these people are thinking about.
5: So, hold, hold tight one second, I'm going to go to a break, we come back, I do want to talk about that whole idea of how we as African Americans and Latinos and Asians, as and Native Americans are not maximizing our power and how even when we are the majority, we are allowing white voters to still control the politics. So I'm going to break that thing down. We come back next. Uh, we're broadcasting live from Agape Worship Center here uh, in Statesboro, Georgia. Uh, folks, if you want to support us in what we do, download the Black Star Network app, available on all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Join our Bring the Fuck fan club where every dollar you give goes to support the show. Uh, you can uh, send your check-in money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-001. Cash App is dollar sign RM Unfiltered PayPal is Martin Unfiltered Venmo is RM Unfiltered Zelle is Roland at RolandSMartin.com Roland at Unfiltered.com. Uh, and you can also get your book White Fear, How the Brownie of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds uh, Available on all uh, all platforms Ben Bella Books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble Indiebound, Bookshop, Chapters, Books a Million, Target You can order through your favorite black bookstore or Download the book on Audible as well We'll be right back
10: when we invest in ourselves we all shine together we are black beyond measure
11: welcome to atlanta one of the most expensive housing markets in america but rather than help out brian kemp cashed in he made hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate his net worth skyrocketed and while atlantans struggled to stay in their homes Kemp gave $10,000 tax handouts to the richest Georgians and a nearly $700 million no-bid contract to his campaign donor, Brian Kickback Kemp, making Georgia work for him, not you.
10: When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
2: About Let's us. Go. Everybody together. We are in sunny South Dallas. The election
6: is coming up. It's super important that folks know who they are voting for, but more importantly, what they are voting for. Y'all, we got the free shirts and free lunch right over here.
7: Freedom is our birthright. No matter what we're up against, we're sending a message in Dallas and Texas and in this country. We won't black down. That's what this bus tour is all about.
2: The housing cost is one of the most capitalized areas that we have found people who are marginalized, that are brown and black. We are suffering the most, and I think that we have the biggest vote and the biggest impact in this election.
17: I'm voting for affordable housing, for sure. We should not be paying the cost of a utility failure because Our elected officials are too proud to say, we need help.
7: I know that we can bring out our people to vote. It's a part of our birthright, it's a part of our heritage, and surely it's a part of our prison and part of our future. That's right. That's what's up. And we won't black down. Forward that message to Five Friends, because in that message, it's got links to how to get registered, how to check your registration status. Like I said, 2.30, we'll start um, rendezvousing right here on the street. I am voting to let our voice be heard in the rural communities that, hey, we are people, too. There are things that we need. Free
18: shirts, free food, and lots of power! We are in Longview, Texas, where Black Voters Matter, 365.
8: Whatever type of oppression a white supremacist throws our way, we will not black down. We are in relentless pursuit of liberation of our people.
18: Freedom is liberation for black bodies and black communities to make economic change through political power.
2: Freedom is choice.
7: We won't black down. We won't black down. We won't black
8: down. We won't black down.
7: We won't black down. We won't black
8: down. On the
19: next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, black women are starting businesses at the fastest rate than any other segment. However, finding the funding to build them is challenging. On our next Gift Wealthy, we're going to talk with author Catherine Finney, who wrote the book, Build the Damn Thing. And she's going to be sharing exactly what we need to do to achieve success in spite of the odds.
20: As an entrepreneur of color, it's first, you know, building your personal advisory board. I think that's one of the things that's helped me the most. The personal advisory board of the people who are in the business of you. You personally and want to see you succeed.
19: That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network.
7: Pull up a chair, take your seat, at The Black Tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Gavin Houston. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now.
5: All right, folks, uh, welcome back. So, Eugene, I wanted to start... Actually, Avis, I want to start with you. So I'm going to go back to the... um, article I was reading from, uh, and which I, which I found to be uh, real interesting, where they talked about voting strength, voting power. And so this is what the article said. It says, Texas uh, is one of six states where minority, minorities um, outpace whites. And so in the article, um, it says that even in this particular district. Uh, the white population, let me scroll down to it. And this is something that I've been saying for the longest, especially when you start listening to all these crazy folks who, who have no clue about politics. And again, they yell, holler, and scream um, how they want stuff. They don't understand. This is what it says. Texas is one of six states where the white population is now outnumbered by black, Hispanic, and Asian residents. Now keep in mind when you talk about white Hispanics who a lot of times align more with white Americans, then that's a different issue. It says Mr. Neal's, he's of course the the, uh, MAGA Republican member of Congress. Mr. Neal's district, which includes most of Fort Bend County, is part of the reason. It swung from nearly 70% to less than 40% white over the last three decades. So you've got a congressional district, Avis, that's less than 40% white It says, but changing demographics in many places may not yet be reflected at the polls because of a larger white share of the voting age population and higher turnout levels. Exit polls show that white Texans still made up 60% of the state's voters in 2020. So let's pause right there. So here you have Texas, a state where whites are in the minority, yet represent 60% of all voters, I have continually said that when black people maximize our voting power, Latinos maximize voting power, then you actually can see change. And so even here in Georgia, South Carolina, Mississippi, when Mike Espy lost to Cindy Hyde-Smith by some 65,000 votes the first time, There were more than 65,000 black people who were eligible who never even cast a ballot in that election. When you look at the numbers of black folks in Alabama who were not registered to actually vote as well. And so part of this deal, when I hear black folks complain about what we have not gotten, it's also because we haven't maximized our voting power to be able to counter white turnout. If whites are voting at 60, 65, 70% of their eligibility, and we're at 38, 40, 45, hello, you're not going to win because you're still being outnumbered.
6: Absolutely. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, You're exactly right. Uh, I do believe, really, honestly, it's really up to us, uh, the black community, to maximize our power because, as you mentioned, in so many key states... Like Texas, like Georgia, like Pennsylvania, even like Arizona, I believe that we could be that key, critical margin that could tilt uh, the 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 direction of victory, and in in the direction of a party that actually is working to protect our rights versus a party that's working to disintegrate our rights right in front of our eyes, and and I would also you know also uh, want to sort of say along with that because one thing that that. Uh, report didn't mention, that a lot of us, unfortunately, it goes unsaid, but it's true. Um, We also have to mitigate the Latino voting power um, by the percentage of Latinos that can actually vote in this country. We just can't take it as tantamount by looking at the Latino population and assume that that's all eligible voters. You have to look at what proportion of that population are actually citizens and therefore can vote, and so that's why I believe that the burden is disproportionately on us because, hello, we're citizens, uh, and a disproportionate, you know, and the overwhelming majority of us are citizens. Uh, I would also say that as it relates to um, this issue of people who are critiquing the Democratic Party, it's not to say that the Democratic Party or any political party should be beyond criticism. But I also think it's very important that we become very, very um, keen at understanding what happens around election time. Do you not think it suspicious that certain groups, you don't hear a peep from when we're not in an election time? Where have they been for the past several years, right? Where are they once an election is over? There are certain Black groups that you don't hear anything from them until they pop their heads up to tell Black people not to vote. Do you not find that suspicious? I sure do. And I am wondering, how are some of their leaders being funded? I'm just going to go straight there. I think that we should be politically sophisticated enough to understand that there are certain individuals that look like us that get paid royally to suppress our vote. All our skin folk ain't our kinfolk, and we need to recognize that. When you see something suspicious happening, you need to ask yourself, why are they only here now and why are they singing the same song and they only sing that same song when it's time for us to get out and vote? That is suspicious. It is a pattern. And I hope we are politically sophisticated enough to not be bamboozled by that behavior.
5: The, the, the thing here, Julianne, why I, I, I want to I keep harping on uh, the turnout piece is, I mean, let's use Ferguson as an example. After Michael Brown gets killed, people were shocked to find out that you had a city that was 60 Seven percent black, that had never elected a black mayor. That's a perfect example. Uh, there are other places. Um, when Mondale Robinson, uh, when he won in Enfield, North Carolina, here you had a city ninety-five percent black that had a white Republican mayor, and then he runs against them and beats them with seventy with seventy-five percent of the vote and it, it it is just a perfect example of repeatedly how in many ways i'll say this we're actually our worst enemy when we are not maximizing our numbers to then have political power you can't you simply cannot look at our numbers and go wait a minute some of these places We could be running the table if we voted at 65, 70 percent of all eligible voters, but we simply are not.
8: I don't understand how we allow ourselves to get played, but we certainly do. You're absolutely right. We're not voting at our maximum strength. Uh, We're not taking advantage of our power, our potential power, certainly. And we allow people who uh, don't mean us any good to come in. And I don't care whether they're black or white. (laughs) Good Marshall once said a snake is a snake, whether it's a white snake or a black snake. He was talking about Clarence Thomas, but we can just talk about uh, what's going on right now. You've got these, uh, with all due respect to Eugene, these black Republicans like the Candace Owens of the world who will basically sell their soul and then some for a few shekels. You've got um, so many others who are basically anti-black. And Roland, one of the things I've... You know, you said black and brown... A number of times on this broadcast, as has my sister Avis, and we have to really look at the black and brown thing. I'm sitting here in LA, where you know what happened here, where a so-called Latina, uh, basically called a black child a monkey, uh, disp- talked about consolidating Latino power. Now, there would be no Latino power were there not black power, because their movement was a, was a footnote to our movement. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. But So when we talk about black and brown, everybody brown ain't down. Some of the, our so-called Latino allies are not our allies at all. They are attempting to minimize power. So while I, I believe in coalitions, I believe that we should work together, I also think that we need to be real clear about what we want. And uh, a former Congressman uh, William Clay said, no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just permanent issues. We have to be really clear and drilled down on our issues. And when we do that, we know that we have to vote, that we must vote, that there are no alternatives. If you, if you want white folks to determine your destiny, not just white folks, you want Republican throwbacks to determine your destiny, stay home, because they will determine your destiny, and you won't like it. But if you want to have a foothold in policy, if you want to be part of determining your own destiny, then you will go vote.
5: Uh, Eugene, um, so here's one of the things that I've also uh, been saying, and this might tick off some of the more established Democrats, but ain't like I care. Um, I have said on this show, and I've said other places, that if you're black and you want to give, do not send your money to political campaigns or to the DNC, the DSCC, or DCCC, or Democratic Governors Association. If you are labor organizations, do not send your money there. Why? Because that money is then being controlled by white strategists. And so those white strategists, even in campaigns with black candidates, then don't want to spend money on black people. So I I tell black folks, I would rather you send your money to Black Voters Matter. Because you know the money is going to get put on the ground for folks to go and door to door, door knocking and doing events, and when you see these these reports, oh, this this campaign they raised twenty million or thirty million dollars or whatever. Again, these are white strategists who are str- who are stringing a hole on the money. You got black staffers who are begging them, "Can y'all spend some money on black outreach?" And it makes no sense whatsoever. And so I've talked to uh, a couple of labor groups who who have said that that okay, we're just going run to run things ourselves. We're just going to actually spend our money direct as opposed to going through these parties. And so if we're talking about, again, controlling our destiny, that's one of the ways you control it by saying, send the money to institutions that you know are going to put that money back into the community to turn out black voters. What happens with these white Democratic strategists who control these campaigns, even the campaigns of black candidates... They, in turn, only want to put the money on television because that's how they're making their money. They're getting a percentage of the TV buys. They make no money when they put it on the ground, but when you put it on the ground, that's how you actually win.
9: Look, 100%. Um, I'd say both sides have the issue. Um, I've seen black candidates that um, will hire some white folk and then white folk will run the bag up on them. Um, I've seen on both sides of the aisle. Um, and you're right, you know, they'd much rather put it on the air than put it on the ground, because on the air, they can take a 25%, 30% commission on ad buy. Um, and, you know, you see people, oh, we just did a million, two million, $3 million, ad buy. Some white uh, consultant and strategist just took you know, 25 30% um, commission on that and made a nice little penny. Um, and that happens on both sides. Um, you know, I always say, if you see a, a black Republican that's propped up, especially in the unwinnable race, Chances are, it's a white consultant behind them that's doing
5: the propping up and making shit, a, a, a crazy amount of money. Um, and so, ton of it, money. We um, saw that. We saw that. I guess who was the guy? was the guy? Was the guy running against Maxine Waters in California? Uh, uh, yeah. I think he. Um, what? These crazy. Uh, know you know, these, these, these crazy about about white, white white Republicans sent homeboy like four, five, six million dollars. He had no I chance. I, 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 he I, I, literally I'm had a better. That was, that was he, he had a better chance of getting a, gla- a cold glass of water in hell than he had to beat Maxine Waters and then when you had clueless Kim Plaichik when she ran against Infume in Baltimore same thing they burned through millions and I'm looking at the, I'm telling the, the the easiest person to part with their money is a white republican if you for supporting a black candidate who's running against A black democrat it is like y'all need to stop
9: yeah, for, what, for what it's worth right you know um folk that do know no, i was there in the beginning of kim's campaign and you know attempted to put some controls in place because one more time i know how the game is played we see it a mile away coming a mile away um but but it happens it happens on both sides you know um you know black assaults get screwed on both sides um and i think look next cycle folk gotta put some controls in place um especially you know, these super high-profile races that are going to raise money, um, um, because you know, at the end of the day, you know, what does it matter if it's a white consultant there that's controlling those dollars and is going to, you know, rake in an X amount of commission, um, you know, and, and just do it all over again.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, folks, hold tight one second. We come back. Come back. Uh, we're going to do uh, talk to our guests with regards to breast cancer. Then we're going to have a conversation here uh, in Statesboro about uh, what's happening in this city, in this state. Huge election, uh, huge ramifications as well when it comes to uh, these races. So look forward to having that conversation. Uh, don't forget, folks, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. It's not that hard, y'all. It's a click. It's free. It ain't costing you nothing. Okay? So we come back, we should easily be having 13, 14, 1500, 2000. Likes. Uh, you can also support the show by downloading the Black Star Network app, available on all platforms. So if you want to watch the show, don't have to watch us on YouTube or Instagram or Twitch. You can watch right there on the app. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Also, join our Bring the Funk fan club where your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do. Uh, of course, that's PO Box 57196, Washington DC, 20037-0196. Uh, that's for checks and money orders. A uh, cash app is dollar sign RM unfiltered. PayPal is Martin unfiltered. Venmo is RM unfiltered. Uh, and Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinsmartinunfiltered.com. And get a copy of my book, White Fear How the Brownie of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Available on all bookstores, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can also uh, download it from Audible and order through your favorite black bookstore as well. We'll be right back.
10: When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
11: Welcome to Atlanta, one of the most expensive housing markets in America. But rather than help out, Brian Kemp cashed in. He made hundreds of thousands of dollars in real estate. His net worth skyrocketed. And while Atlantans struggled to stay in their homes, Kemp gave $10,000 tax handouts to the richest Georgians and a nearly $700 million no-bid contract to his campaign donor. Brian Kickback Kemp making Georgia work for him, not you.
10: When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves, that move us all forward. Together, we are black beyond measure.
7: I am on screen and I am representing what a black man is to the entire world that's gonna see this. And this might be the only black man a representation of a black man that they see. Right. So I am responsible, right, for how they see black men. And it's my responsibility to, if I am not playing an upstanding, honorable, uh, someone with a strong principle of moral core, to make sure that this character is so specific... Right. ...that it is him, not black men. And I wish that more actors would realize how important, uh, their position is as an actor, as an actor of color, playing people of color on screen. Because there are people that see us all over the world in in these different images that we portray. And not everyone knows black people to know. Yes. That's not all.
13: libraries empower the community with education. Liberia Economic Development Initiative, Ledi, is hosting the International Life Changers Awards and Liberia's Bicentennial to celebrate Ledi building the country's first modern public library and technology center. Join event host Roland Martin, our honorees, Reverend Dr. Jamal Bryant, Zernona Clayton, Thomas Dorch Jr., Dana Lupton, Dr. Tammy Graysteel, on October 29th at the CNN Center Atlanta. There are no public libraries in Liberia, but together we can change that. Get tickets at ledinow.org.
9: The
19: all What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packer. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland
0: Martin Unfiltered. Ah!
5: Beverly Logan has not been seen since February 2nd, 2022. The Montgomery, Missouri, turn, uh, the Montgomery, Missouri woman turned 33 yesterday. She's five feet 11 inches tall, weighs 115 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Beverly Logan should call the Montgomery County, Missouri Sheriff's Office at 573-564-8084. 573-564-8084. All right, folks. According to the CDC. According to the CDC, 255,000 breast cancer cases are diagnosed yearly in women, about 2,300 in men. Those numbers tell us that breast cancer is the leading cause of death. uh, Cancer-related death among women, African Americans, black women get breast cancer at a lower rate than white women, but die at a much higher rate because detections happen a lot later uh, after uh, they have been, of course, uh, discovered. Uh, And so. Uh, How do we uh, deal with that? Our next guest uh, will talk about that. Uh, She uh, knows it very well. Bershawn Shaw the two-time breast cancer uh, survivor, and we'll also be joined by Dr. Regina Hampton, who's the chief of breast surgery from Lanham, uh, Maryland. Um, Bershawn, glad to have you here. Uh, This is, again, one of those things that if if you don't have early detection, uh, it can be catastrophic uh, for black women.
20: It's so true. Um, Early detection saves lives, and getting your mammogram. African-American women get scared. Uh, We don't go to doctors. We don't go to get tested because we're afraid, but we get it later. And when we find out, unfortunately, we don't last. So I am a huge advocate all around the world, working with hospitals, University Hospital Foundation in Newark, New Jersey. I mean, I work with hospitals all around to really help get screened and help really get your checkups immediately.
5: Uh, And obviously, earlier I talked about the Affordable Care Act and part of the deal also with a number of African-Americans who simply didn't have health care access to the services.
20: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that we really have to take our health seriously. I mean, a lot of us go and think, oh, we're good, we're okay, until... You have that heart attack until you find out you got stage four cancer. Um, You know, I'm a stage four breast cancer thriver. I got got it in 2007, and then I got re-diagnosed in 2009. And because I was so adamant on seeing the doctors, changing my diet, exercising, a regimen, I found it early in the stage four. So it's just, ladies, wake up and stop being scared. And you said, men get it too right? Wake up. We have to put our health first. If we don't, we just fall behind. We just fall
5: behind. And Dr. Regina Hampton, I want to bring you in here as well. Uh, and so what do you say to that woman who is listening uh, who says, I'm scared to know about the results?
21: Yeah, I think it's important. To, uh, hello. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I think it's important for women to know that so many things have changed. We've got to Stop listening to what happened 20 years ago and realize the treatments have changed, they're more effective, uh, they're less aggressive. Um, And so I really encourage women as we just heard to get your mammogram, don't be afraid. We're all here to help you and get you through it.
5: I love that. On that point, we've heard different different numbers. And so uh, when should uh, women begin to take a mammogram? But before it was fifty, then it dropped to forty, um, and then of course uh, some folks have said thirty-five. What's the, what's the number?
21: So in general, anyone with what we call average risk should get a mammogram starting at age forty. However, it's really important that we know our family history because if we had women who developed breast cancer at younger ages, then we need to start ten years earlier. Um, so if mom or grandma were forty-two then the women in that family should start by age 30, 32 getting mammograms. What's interesting is that the American College of Radiology has deemed black women as high risk. And we know that because of the numbers. And what they are recommending is that all black women should get what's called a risk assessment starting at age 30. And what does this mean? This means that these women should come in uh, to a high risk program, meet with a breast surgeon, so we can talk through what are the true risk factors and then we can decide, well, maybe we do need to start doing mammograms in this woman at age 30, or maybe we're going to do it at age 35. But it really allows us to get black women in earlier so we can take a more personalized approach uh, to screening. Uh
5: quick question, Julianne, you first.
8: So we know that black women are uh, often get breast cancer or diagnosed when they're younger Um, and many of our folks don't want to get the mammogram as you said for any number of reasons is there something we can do especially in our hbcus to encourage young women to get checked out i think i like your risk assessment possibility but to get checked out sooner because we know i have a friend who's 28 years old 28 and was assessed with breast cancer Uh, so Just tell, help me talk to about the younger women who are basically facing this. Yeah, I think that's,
20: oh, go ahead. No, no. I mean, well, we, we both because I mean, I because I go, I speak at universities and I speak at high schools all the time. You have to make the conversation open and make it cool, right? So we have learned in the black community that you know we don't really like doctors, we don't like hospitals. I was a part of a clinical trial. I was the only African American in it. They try to find African Americans. No one wants to do it. So they don't have, and you can talk to the doctor, the data, the research, the science, a lot of us, because we're afraid. So making the conversation cool and hip, being open, and that's why I go to universities and I talk and I go like to high schools even because you got to check yourself, check your breasts, check your boobies, even at a young age. So you know how you feel. So, you know, uh, my, uh, my mother, unfortunately, isn't here, but I knew that I had to check myself. And that's why I went in the doctor and I was an advocate. My doctor said I was too young. I said, nope. Mm-mm be an advocate for yourself i pushed and pushed and pushed and i got my biopsy i got my sonogram and then they found out because no one knows your body but you and you own your health and no one else
21: avis i wholeheartedly agree with that yeah
6: com- completely um so avis, okay, i think avis, following along avis,
5: there, avis, uh, avis your question
6: Sure. Following along that same line of thought, is the problem so much that we are um, resistant to care or is the problem that oftentimes doctors don't listen to us? I mean, there's a lot of research around discrimination in um, medical care. Uh, And as uh, Dr. Malvo laid out, it is statistically shown that Black women tend to get it earlier. And most insurances, for example, is my understanding, for many years, would not even allow you to be able to uh, show up and ask for a mammogram, for example, before you were 40. And typically with us, we get it younger. And that is why oftentimes when it's discovered in us, it's at an advanced stage, because by the time we're at an age where we typically would get it at the point where, quite frankly, most white women aren't get it, because that is the, the normalizing focus of our medical system, right? Um, it's late for us. So wh- what advice would you give black women to be able to advocate for ourselves such that we could convince doctors to allow us to have access to these life-saving tests, even if we're younger than the typical woman who would have access to those tests?
21: Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I think we have to advocate for ourselves. So I look at, and I'll say this to my patients and say, you know, you're looking good today. You know, you probably advocated for those shoes to be on sale. You advocated to, you know, get a, a, a deal in the grocery store. So I think we have to look at our body and our health in that same way. You know, we use our voice when we want to. Um, and so I think it's important that we as Black women, we just have to keep pushing. And if you're with a doctor uh, or a provider who's not listening to you, then go get a second opinion, go get a third opinion, until you get someone who really answers that question that you have, that lump that you have, that you know needs to be answered. So I think it's important, we really have to advocate. I think it is a problem, a lot of providers aren't aware of the statistics for black women. They aren't aware that we get breast cancer at younger ages. And so I think that's where we, as the consumers, have to really uh, push them to know our statistics and to take action.
5: Eugene.
9: Uh, I guess my question is, uh, what can black men do best to support black women in this breast cancer fight?
21: Yeah, I think, you know, I I have to give the men credit. I've been able to work with some incredible families uh, and men who've just been there. So, you know, I think for men, it's tough. We realize that, you know, it's hard for you because you all want to be the ones to fix the problem. But, you know, that woman just needs you to stand by her side, just to hold her hand, uh, to support her in whatever decision she is choosing to make uh, and stand by her. Um, and just love on her um, and realize it's going to be tough. She's going to have some tough days during that journey. But, you know, just to be there uh, and to hold her hand and just to catch her on those days when she just doesn't feel great.
5: Then, Bershawn, Dr. Hampton, we appreciate both of you joining us uh, on uh, today's show. Talk about breast cancer. Thank you so very much.
20: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Thank and informative. You. You. Very good.
5: All right. Thanks a bunch. Let me also thank Julian, uh, Eugene, and Avis for being on today's show as well. When we come back uh, to Statesboro, we'll talk to a panel here. We'll talk about uh, this election happening in Georgia, what's happening in this city. We'll talk turnout. We'll talk the issues that black folks care about uh, as we, of course, count down to Election Day. Early voting still is happening in the state. In Texas, early voting is today as well. Uh, and uh, also a reminder, uh, if you have folks who are in nursing homes uh, who cannot vote, Uh, cannot uh, physically go vote, Uh, they have to request an absentee ballot uh, by Friday, by Friday, the deadline is Friday, Uh, and so you must uh, fill that form out and get it back by Friday, and so uh, folks, please uh, check the election laws in your particular state to know what is required, and so please do so to make sure that all of our votes are counted, and we'll be right back on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network
10: when we invest in ourselves our glow our vision our vibe we all shine When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
12: You know what's on the ballot. It's not just legislation and policies we believe in, it's democracy. Our democracy. There's a choice on the ballot between freedom and fear between cruelty and compassion, between chaos and community, between voting or violence, and the end of rights generations have fought for. The extremists have a plan, a roadmap for a nation where your voice is silenced and your vote is a memory, where they count their votes and cast ours aside. That's why this year, this fight, this vote is so important. Register, engage, Volunteer, fight back against the disinformation and despair, and most of all, vote. Because your vote is all that stands between our future and theirs.
14: Hatred on the streets—a horrific scene. White nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence.
5: White people are losing their damn minds
7: I am on screen and I am representing what a black man is to the entire world that's gonna see this. And this might be the only black man, a representation of a black man that they see. Right. So I am responsible, right, for how they see black men. And it's my responsibility to, if I am not playing an upstanding, honorable, someone with a strong principle or moral core, to make sure that this character is so specific, right, that it is him, not black men. And I wish that more actors would realize how important uh, their position is as an actor, as an actor of color playing people of color on screen. Because there are people that see us all over the world in in these different images that we portray. And not everyone knows black people to know. Yes. That's not all.
18: Whether we know it or not, from politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And
16: we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network.
19: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, Black women are starting businesses at the fastest rate than any other segment. However, finding the funding to build them is challenging. On our next Gift Wealthy, we're going to talk with author Catherine Finney, who wrote the book, Build the Damn Thing. And she's going to be sharing exactly what we need to do to achieve success in spite of the odds.
20: As an entrepreneur of color, it's first, you know, building your personal advisory board. I think that's one of the things that's helped me the most. The personal advisory board of the people who are in the business of you, you personally, and want to see you
19: succeed. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star
7: Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat at the Black Tape With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network, every week. We'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network.
10: Hey, I'm Amber Stevens West. I'm Avery Sunshine. So, this is Roger Bow. I got a message for
12: Roland Mascot. Oh, I'm sorry, Ascot Martin. Buddy, you're supposed to be hooking me up with some of these mascots. I'm sorry, ascots that you claim to wear.
16: Where's mine, buddy? Where's mine? That's all I got to say to you, okay? Mascot, goodbye.
13: Hi, this is Essence Atkins and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
5: All right, folks. Welcome back, Agape Worship Center here in Georgia. Glad to be here, folks. Uh, we were back. We were here last couple. of days. We actually been here the last two weeks. The last two weeks, and so uh, glad to be here. Uh, we're gonna chat about what's happening here in this state. We have got our panel here. On my start, my far left. Go ahead and just introduce yourself, please.
22: I'm Yvette McCall. I'm a representative of Black Voters Matter.
5: All right. Yeah, I got share mics.
16: I'm, I'm Francis Johnson. I'm chairman of the board for the New Georgia Project and the Action Fund. I pastor two churches here in uh, practice law.
5: All right. I'm Jonathan
18: McCalla. I'm the mayor of the city of Statesboro.
17: And I'm Lakeisha Hill. I'm the chair of the Statesboro Youth Commission.
5: All right. Glad to have you all here. So let's talk about uh, what, what's happening here. We've seen the stories of, uh, about record turnout already mm-hmm. uh, here in Georgia when uh, it comes to in this early voting period. Uh, but um, you were just you were, before you were doing the break, you were talking about uh, some of the numbers uh, in terms of absentee balloting. And so just give us a sense of statewide in terms of um, um, exactly what's happening here, Uh, what's outstanding, uh, how much longer is early voting, and uh, let's talk about that.
16: So this has been a record-breaking year in terms of turnout. Uh, There have been 739,000 people who've cast their ballots already. You can give it up for that. 248,000 folks who have outstanding absentee ballots. And what we're able to divine from those early numbers is that on day one of election, 39% of the folks who voted were African-American. And given the fact that African-Americans make up 32% of the electorate, that is tracking for 2020, 2018 turnout numbers. And if we can sustain that, you know, we start strong in early voting and then it tapers out. Saturday voting was encouraging because that was a full seven days after the start of early voting. And there we saw record turnout and record African American turnout. So I think if the narrative of 2020 was that black women rose up and saved our democracy from itself, uh, from white violence and white rebellion, 2022 might be the year that black men have something to say as well about our democracy. And so we're seeing that track as well, Roland.
5: Well, on that particular point, I mean, I keep reminding people when we talk about voting uh, that uh, the number one voting block. Uh, for the Democratic Party, black women, but number two is black men. So there's exactly. this this, this right. idea that mm-hmm. black men are somehow way behind mayor mm-hmm. uh, black women is not. The, the, yeah, there's a there's a differential there, mm-hmm. but again, the number two voting block for the Democratic Party, black. black men.
16: That's it's right. a false narrative. Yep, that's
18: right. And and one thing that we got that, that we want to be clear when it, when it comes to that narrative, um, there's diversity amongst any group. And so, not one, no group is 100% one way. But the numbers that we have when it relates to black women and black females as they go to the polls, the rate that they vote democratically is it outperforms any other group that's out sure. there. And so, that's what we have to continuously stay focused on that's as, a media we, narrative. as we are, as we are working uh, to continue to push people to the polls.
22: That's a media narrative. Yeah. Go, yep. go ahead. They're they're very close. I mean. It's just a media narrative. First of all, we know if black women vote, they whole household vote, period. So yeah. it's just a media narrative to cause division among us.
16: Well, we could say it's a media narrative, but it goes all the way back to the length and breadth of this country. W. E. B. Du Bois said this about, uh, about black men. What is it like to be America's problem? And so this narrative is so convenient as the nation cannot stand to look at white violence, male violence that we saw on January the 6th on, on January 6th, and we can't stand to look at uh, white suburban women who turned their back on every value they claimed they had and got uh, what they what was promised to them, which was retrogression of their own rights in terms of reproductive rights. And so, instead of looking honestly at that white violence and the suburban betrayal of white women, uh, we we focus on a false narrative of black men not showing up, and it's just simply not true. It's not true by the numbers. And to say that. Stacy Abrams mm-hmm. or that Raphael Warnock have problems with, with, with black men is politics one oh one. You always attack a candidate where they're most strong. Mm-hmm. And so this is simply a deflection and it won't work. We know better than that mm-hmm. and we won't fall for the okie doke.
5: Well one of the things that, that does chip out at me that and I'm gonna use North Carolina as an example mm-hmm. um and that is this here. Um when their early voting numbers came out, and, and this is this was forty seven thousand ballots that are already cast. Mm-hmm. So Over 65, Um, voters over 65 represented 55.4% of those ballots cast. Ages 41 to 65 represented 27.5%. 26 to 40 represented 10.9. 18 to 25 represented 6.3. So if you look at right there, the two largest groups of voters only accounted for 17.2% of the ballots cast. And the thing that I consistently say to millennials and Gen Zs, you can't whine and complain about why boomers are in control while they're being elected if you're not voting your numbers. You, you, You are literally allowing Gen X, baby boomers, and others to decide who's in office, I mean, the, the math is the math. Exactly. Uh, and so uh, just, just hear your thoughts about that. Again, uh, you know, having conversations or trying to get folks who are 18 to 40 to understand you literally have the numerical numbers where you can determine elections, Yes. but you don't vote.
17: Yeah. I mean, to your point, as far as the younger groups, Preparing to vote, I think it really starts with educating them on the power of their vote. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be that um, the younger folks don't actually know the power that they carry. And being a registered voter, I know when we worked on uh, Mayor McCullough's reelection campaign, when we were knocking on those younger folks' doors and asking about registration to vote, mm-hmm. they were they were saying no. But I think they were saying no because they were not educated on what this means. This is how you represent yourself. This is how you show up in the political process.
18: Absolutely. And, and, and what I want to add to that is, is that in 2017, we had a historical election. I'll hold the mic up. Uh, in 2017, we had a historical election here. Um, and what was so significant about that 2017 race is that it swung because of the young vote. Um, and so what was and what's powerful about that is that the youth, they are the conscience of any nation. And if the youth are showing up to the polls in mass numbers, that corrects the the trajectory that any nation is on. And if there was ever a time that we needed young people to come to the polls, it is now. And we we jokingly say this is about democracy. No, this is about America. Because what we saw on January the 6th was a real live coup d'etat attempt by a sitting president, and we have to be able to say that out loud. We're in a political climate where we can't even say what our lying eyes showed us on January the sixth. Well, some so, of us
16: can't. I can say yes. whatever
18: I want. There, you, there you go.
16: <laughs>
5: I, I yeah. said the day it happened, yeah. so I didn't care. Yes,
18: exactly, exactly. But 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 I say all of that to say. Is that it was young people in 2020? It was people of color. It was women. It was us building a coalition that righted the wrong when America was going in a direction that we did not need to go. And we must understand the power that we have and be willing to exercise that power if we're not if we're going to if we're going to save our country and especially the state of Georgia. And I want to say this about the state of
11: Georgia:
18: mm-hmm. um, we should shudder at the idea. Deal that's right. that's that we are a camel's hair away right. from Herschel Walker representing us for the next six years. That's right. We should be very afraid. Right. And that's where we are right now. So we can't afford to sit out. We need everybody to come to the polls because running a football and running government are two entirely different
16: things. Well, wait a minute. Don't leave out Brian Kemp now. Because the potential is what you talk about in terms of the disaster of Herschel Walker. Mm -hmm. But we know the actuality of Brian Kemp as Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is talk to the equipment 10 plus Mm 2. All you got to talk to is Olivia Pearson, who we prosecuted three times. We were on those cases, and we know the devastation he did in terms of suppressing the vote. I showed up with Stacey Abrams with 40,000 registration applications only to hear him say he didn't have time to process them. And then four years as governor where the man didn't even know what COVID was and didn't know you can get it contagiously uh, as an airborne disease. His slow response cost millions uh, to the state in terms of our economics. When it comes to real life, his failure to expand Medicaid Mm -hmm. has cost the lives of more than 12 thousand georgians so herschel is a disaster waiting if we can stop him brian kemp is a disaster in office right now Mm -hmm.
22: so for me the medicaid expansion is very personal because i had a sister who passed in 2019 Mm -hmm. i feel like she passed prematurely she worked as a cna for over 25 years in a nursing home serving the least of the population Mm -hmm. but when she got sick and could not get health care She went to the emergency room several times. Not once was she told how to get health care. She was told, you need to see a cardiologist. And my sister died, you know, um, in East Georgia Hospital because she had not had the proper health care. I take it very personal that Brian Kim has not expanded Medicaid because as far as I'm concerned, my sister died because he did not expand Medicaid. Had she had he had Medicaid expanded, someone would have told her, this is how you get insurance so you can be seen properly. Mm -hmm. My sister had served as a CNA. I mean, doing a job that most people don't want to do. And she did it for over 25 years, proudly. And this and and couldn't even get health care when she needed us. So, yeah, I take it very personal. But we got to be real in this. We got to show up Mm -hmm. 30 percent of registered black voters showed up in 2020 here in Georgia. Only 30%.
5: So out of all, so yes. So I'm always about the numbers. And so uh, the the number of registered black voters in this state, what is it?
16: Uh, The number of, in terms of percentage, you know, the narrative has changed from 2014 when the New Georgia Project was started. There was 800,000 unregistered African-Americans. Right. African-American registration is is on par with white registration. Mm -hmm. And that's why they begin every news article today by saying, Nearly every eligible voter in Georgia is registered, to ca- so it's not registration. The issue is it's about sure out. Right, right.
5: That's that's, that's that's but I still want to know. Give me an. Is it? I don't know the exact
22: number.
16: So
5: we're talking about what? Seven, eight hundred.
16: Ninety-six percent of all eligible black voters are eligible to cast the ballot.
5: So, right. of the ninety-six percent of eligible black voters, it's twenty, twenty, thirty percent. It was thirty percent. So sixty-six percent.
22: White people was fifty-five.
5: And that and that's what that was what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. And that is um, when I hear folks talk about uh, black folks, we got so and so elected. The reality is, if we take our number sure. from thirty to fifty,
18: that's right. talk to us. That's right. That's
22: right.
5: If we go from thirty to fifty, mm-hmm. literally, it can be a blowout for whoever we want.
22: Right. Yeah. So we got to stop saying that we keep showing up and getting nothing. Because we're absolutely not showing up—not in the numbers that we should. I mean, there you go. Can, yeah. We could talk and play like we are. We could mm-hmm. say we are, but we're not. Yes. When thirty percent is only showing up, that's 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 a that's a not. Yeah. So yeah. you can't say that you keep voting and getting nothing because you're not voting across, you know. And see, and,
5: and and the reason the reason I the reason I, I tell people to use numbers uh, is mm-hmm. because um, w- when I'm walking my audience through this, and so again, so let's just say you have 700,000 eligible, registered African-Americans. Let's just say you have 700,000. Mm-hmm. Well, if 30% of the 700,000 mm-hmm. are voting, that's, that's two hundred and ten. I mean, it's barely more than 200,000 people mm-hmm. voting, mm-hmm. Right. which means that 500,000 aren't. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. So we, so we talk about black folks turning out. And folks are like oh, black folks, we showed out in 2020 and got Rose off and won. I collected.
22: Yep.
5: five hundred thousand didn't. That's right. Mm-hmm. If you if you take half of those five hundred thousand, mm-hmm. Biden Harris, if you just if you just take how the margins go, they don't win Georgia by eleven thousand votes. Mm-hmm. They win Georgia by a quarter of a million votes. Right. Exactly. Which is the actual margin. Of, and it's gonna, it's gonna blow folks away. That's the margin that Republicans win by in Texas. Right.
16: Yes. I understand. Right. Yes. So. I understand. But mm-hmm. there's, a, there's another factor to this that doesn't take away anything you just said voter suppression it's is true. real. It
2: mm-hmm. is true.
16: Although Baker versus Carr established that one man equals one vote, mm-hmm. all of those votes are not equally able to cast an unfettered ballot. Mm -hmm. If you're African-American, you have to wait in lines that are three and four times as long Mm -hmm. as in your suburban white neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. That's that's if you can show up with a registration in the first place. Ethnic sounding names, my wife's name, for example, Dr. Mika Mm -hmm. Williams-Johnson. Somebody types that into the registration database incorrectly, not by any fault of hers. She might have completed her registration correctly. Mm-hmm. It, it, it now punches her out and sends her a list of maybe 13 things that could be wrong. You figured out show up one day and get it straight beyond those pieces, which, which are just technical within the system. By the way, we also have 15 different elections going on at any given time in March for judges, uh, a primary, a runoff, a November election, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. We do this to confuse voters on purpose. Mm-hmm. And then when you add the, Uh, the the very draconian uh, measures that are in Senate Bill 202, which says, although we're going to make the lines longer and make it difficult for you to have gotten the line in the first place, Mm -hmm. if somebody offers you a drink of water, Mm -hmm. that becomes a felony. Mm -hmm. And so... When you subtract the number of people who are held in pretrial detention, Mm -hmm. when you subtract subtract the number of people who attend HBCUs but can't use their HBCU ID to vote, although (laughs) they go to a school in this state, Mm -hmm. and, and you can use a gun registration card to vote, when you layer on all those efforts of voter suppression every day telling black men, Telling black women that your communities don't matter because we don't see the kind of investment you put in during your administration—it's mm-hmm. no wonder that as many people who are showing up right. supporting this democracy are even doing it in the first place. So
5: I'm going to take a break and we come back. I want to pick up on that, but also uh, I want to talk about uh, in terms of um, what, how we, how we continue to mobilize and organize mm-hmm. after the election, because I think part of the frustration we talk about. Young voters and others, mm. and I, I do this all around the country. Yeah. I'm trying to explain to people that the election is the end of one process, mm-hmm. and it's the beginning of another. And so uh, we'll do that, folks. Again, we're here uh, at New Agape, uh, we're at Agape Worship Center. Uh, folks, uh, be sure again, I see your comments. Uh, yeah, be sure to hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch, on Instagram, on the Black Start Network app as well. Uh, and we'll be right back. Mm. 0196 the cash app is dollar sign rm unfiltered paypal is r martin unfiltered venmo is rm unfiltered zell is roland at rolandsmartin.com
15: hi i'm kim burrell
5: hi i'm carl Payne. hey
15: everybody this is sherry shepherd you're watching roland martin unfiltered
5: All right, folks, welcome back. Statesboro, Georgia, glad to be here. Uh, And of course, uh, it is election time. Uh, we are 15 days away, and of course, but early voting has already started, not just here in this state, but in other states as well. Uh, more than 8 million people have already cast ballots uh, across the country, uh, and in this state, is it not, that's about 10% actually, uh, exceeds about 800,000 already. And so uh, Texas uh, began today, we were there yesterday, uh, for a uh, fight for democracy rally. Uh, sponsored by the NAACP, uh, Black Voters Matter, and several other organizations as well. Uh, and so uh, we will be uh, in Swainsboro, going back to Swainsboro tomorrow. Uh, they made it clear they want us to come back. We were just there two weeks ago. Uh, and so uh, they were like, look, we got 400 folks ready to pack the house, and we look forward to being there tomorrow. Uh, and so I uh, cannot wait. Uh, let's, go, let's go back. Uh, when, I, when I went to the break, I talked about, Again, so you look at you look at uh th- these races, you hear people say uh, "I haven't seen anything done, or my community hasn't changed and whenever I hear that um I, I, first of all um when i then of course the third thing I get uh Democrats haven't done anything for black people, and now you got these folk out there who are now who are now who play the games of okay, what specifically have right. they done? Right. Mm-hmm. And Avis made that point earlier about the folk who are who are agents of, of chaos or who are out there, uh, because uh there's this assumption, uh Mayor, that that you have the ability to do something specifically for mm-hmm. one group, and I keep telling these fools you can't.
22: That's when losses
5: <laughs> I keep telling these fools you can't, but There are things that you can do that can have a disproportionate impact on a group of people, just like President Biden's student loan uh, decision. That has a disproportionate impact on African Americans. But again, you got these clueless people. Who just and they uh, they they tweet, they yell, holler, scream, do videos, and they say nothing has been specifically done. Like they're running around saying we need a black-specific hate crime law, and I keep telling them you you you, you can't have it. (laughs) Well, well, this this is this is this
18: is evidence of not just African Americans, people of color, disenfranchised people, not understanding power dynamics right? Um, Nobody goes in and says, we want a law specifically for white people, right? And so, when you are elected, you are elected to govern all of people. And so, when I ran to be mayor of the city of Statesboro, I wasn't running to be the best black mayor. What I said is, I'm going to be the best mayor, period. That was the end of the line. But because our communities have been left behind for so long that, and they don't see the return on the investment on their vote because they have not held those individuals that they put in office accountable. And I'm going to tell you right here on Grady Street, a childhood friend of mine, Vance Key. Um, I had been in office two out uh, two years, and I knew what we had coming down the pipeline. And he said something that was very powerful. He said, You got to give the people something that they can see. And so what we did locally is that we took two parks that was that's located on the historic mostly African-American sides of the city, we rebuilt those parks. That was something that they could see. But beyond that, in 2020, uh, with the election of three women, this is the first time this has ever happened in our community, as uh, councilwomen, Uh, Councilmember Paulette Shavers, Sherry Barr, and Councilmember Venus Mack. We passed an equity package. And in this equity package, we carved out 20% of all contracts that go out into the community to be specifically for female and minority-owned business owners. And what did this do? This allowed us the opportunity to trap more dollars within our community, put more people to work within our community, and get quality products. And so right now, the parks that our kids are playing in right now, right down the street, 29% of that contract work went to people of color and to women. Uh, when we're looking at the remodeling of our city hall, we're looking at about 30% of that going to people of color and to women. We have to be very specific and understand how policy works and understand that we can do business too and we can do great things and and I want to say this and I'm going to close it out this is important for us to understand why funding needs to get to the local level. Right. When the CARES Act was passed, it went to our governor's offices across the state. Well, for the city of Statesboro, we were supposed to get $5.7 million. Of that $5.7 million, we only received $1.7 million. Wow. And, and the the $4 million went into the state coffers, and now the governor is going around passing out special projects... And- talking about As the a, surplus a, a surplus, surplus but the surplus was stolen from us and put into their wallet and now at the, at the city level and the county level we've seen the impact of uh, of covid and inflation we're seeing salaries go up supplies go up and that money was intended to save the people at the local level but when we took over the senate that money came straight to this community. And because of that, we are now putting $11 million in rebuilding our neighborhoods. We're fixing up grandma damn house. We're putting in infrastructure where we had no sanitation or any of those things. And we're building a $2 million food bank. To address food scarcity that's specific for that. And in the midst of all of that, we created a loan loss reserve to save local business in this community.
5: So cu- that's the difference. So I'm curious um, Warnock replaces Isaacson. Yeah. Uh, so what did, what did this city um, in this area see differently with him compared to his predecessor?
18: Access. It's as simple as that. Access. I can get on the phone right now. Call Maria. Maria is going to pick up the phone, and she's going and she's going to say, "Mayor, what do you need?" And when, right now, uh, we got uh, Miss LaKeisha Hill. Right now, she's working. Uh, she's a member. She's our chair of our youth commission. And we've we've launched this organization called Village Builders, which is the youth initiative. You know who's working on that with us? Senator Raphael Warnock. Senator. Uh, John Ossoff, their offices are working to bring funding to this community. We did not have that before. And that's why it's so important because it gives the opportunity for people that's been overlooked, the opportunity to have their voices heard in the highest corridors of this land.
17: Well, just to piggyback on what the Village Builder Initiative is, it's basically to bring those resources at the front door of those underrepresented communities, like showing up, mm-hmm. here's your food, here's your clothing. Tell, uh, tell us what other resources that you need that we have not identified. Mm-hmm. So to his point, with that type of funding, it just allows us to do more. It allows us to be visible. It allows us to mm-hmm. educate those those underrepresented communities about voting, about the resources that are, that are poured to your community when you get out and vote. Yeah.
5: See, that, that point about access, um, I, I, I really do laugh at the clue. I do laugh at them. And they get mad, because I, I will literally hit them with a laughing emoji on, on Twitter uh, or my YouTube channel. When they, they, so they'll start, oh, you, you trying to get black people to vote Democrat, you're a Democratic shield? And I start with the most basic thing. OK, you claim you, like especially the people who yell reparations. Every time they do, I tell them, can you show me one Republican? Yes, support one. I ain't asking you for two. <laughs> show me one that agrees with you. Take your time, I'll wait. And so what I explain to people who yell, holler, and scream,
16: well, oh, they, they both agree both. with reparations, just not for black people. Well, This but, country has ga- engaged oh, 13 rounds of reparations absolutely. for everybody else except for black people. Well, but also but are Republican administrations by the way. Oh,
5: believe. absolutely. But, but the thing that I walk people through is you can sit on Twitter or Facebook and YouTube and you can sit on these platforms and yell, holler, and scream. Mm. But politics is not about the folk who complain Mm -hmm. but don't actually engage Mm -hmm. and so the first rule of politics is can i call somebody Mm
22: -hmm.
5: can i reach somebody can i can i can i get a meeting can i get access to then to then get what i want and so what i'm what i try to walk people through is to understand that when we're talking about voting like like all all the tangible folks no politician can give you a tangible if they don't win
18: exactly exactly
5: i mean and then after they win they still have to get other folk to go along with the vote Mm -hmm. which means we now have to be there at city hall at school board Mm -hmm. meeting at county meeting at the legislature in the halls of congress Mm -hmm. pushing to actually get it done And, and, and that to me is that's why I keep saying we, we got to have Schoolhouse Rock 2.0, 3.0 because there's a bunch <laughs> of folk who literally have no clue mm-hmm. how this thing works.
22: Yeah. Well, that's exactly how I feel about – I mean, that's one of the things that tug at my heart. We need um, – I would like to see voters' education, mm-hmm. like, True. on the ground level, grass gra- gra- grassroots, because I think just what you're just saying, they simply just don't know, mm-hmm. um, you know, how politics works, and they don't understand – that, um, like you say, you got to be in the room to get what you want. Didn't Obama yeah. say something like, tell what you want, you tell me what, whatever. So I think that's what we got to realize. We need some voters' education that's grassroots. But mm-hmm. I have a question for Mayor McCullough.
18: Uh-oh. <laughs>
22: <laughs> Did you say that how much money was stolen from Bullock County?
18: Stole from Bullitt?
5: Uh, oh, oh, they you're supposed about the so we were 1. supposed 7. to get 5.7 million got
18: 1.7. We were supposed to receive 5.7 million. We received $1.7 million So we have county million.
22: commissioners mm-hmm. that actively support Brian Kemp after he <laughs> did not give us our money. Okay, I just yeah. want to make sure. And, and, and we have to understand why that's important, especially right
18: now. Right now, there's real conversations, not just in Statesboro, not just in Bullitt County, but across the state where we're struggling to look at our budgets because We can't predict inflation. We don't know when the wages are going to stop going up. And wages are the biggest part of any governing body's budget. And with that being said, we're seeing these wages go up we still have to figure out how do we provide the services to this community. And what that money would have allowed us to do, it would have allowed us to be able to pay our public safety officers more funding. It would have allowed us to be able to cushion some of the projects that we have going, and it would have been able to to allow us to maintain our workforce the way that we want to. Um, But I will say this. Um the one thing that we are extremely fortunate about is that we got great administrators here uh and so we're we're in a surplus financially financially, the city has never been better, but with that being said, we have to be extremely Pointing it about what dime we spend on what and we have to reprioritize about the things that we believe are important and the one thing that I'm super proud of this administration myself and those women that came on in 2019 is that they said they're gonna put the people first and so we are investing into people in this community those that are most vulnerable those that are employees those that are business owners and because of that we've seen the largest economic growth and the most engaged populace that we've seen in a long time in this community. See, the
5: the, the, the thing on, and I guess for me, the, the reason I just completely look at this differently from a lot of different people because I had parents who were members of a civic club. They were right. they were, fi- were founders of a civic club, mm-hmm. and so I saw at seven, eight, nine, ten, what it looked like. When they were like, well, we want to get new streets, new sidewalks, new street lights, new sewer system, get the senior citizens, uh, the old firehouse turned to a senior citizen center, have the parks refurbished. And what that meant, I remember going before and testifying before the city council, ninth, 10th grade. Mm -hmm. And so what what I keep trying to explain to a lot of our people, you can't just say, I voted, I'm good Now, what you're going to do. No, you literally Mm -hmm. have to be engaged in the process. So... Do you do you think that one of the one of the one of the biggest mistakes that we make is that we put so much energy
22: Mm -hmm.
5: mobilizing and organizing around the election, Mm
22: -hmm.
5: but disappears November 9th?
16: But I don't know if that's true. When I consider what partners like Black Voters Matter, they're about power building 365. We have Mm -hmm. we had 18 offices across the state, the New George Project, 500 employees out canvassing 365 building black power everywhere
5: but here's why I'm, why I'm explaining that yes the, your two organizations, organizations are doing that mm-hmm. but i'm talking about i'm going even more granular
16: sure
5: i'm mm-hmm. i'm i'm talking i'm talking about literally down to the street mm-hmm. sure yeah. going from city neighborhood block street mm-hmm. house exactly yeah that's that's what i'm talking about and then when you then take black organizations Mm -hmm. you take divine nine you take links you take prince hall mason you take eastern star Mm -hmm. you take uh, You take all of this again we have a lot of organizations that are not organized Mm -hmm. and so i think part of this again we spend a lot of effort on the election gotta get people registered gotta get them out to vote Mm -hmm. but then when the election is over we're not then going okay these were the five things we said we wanted. Now we got to roll up on city city hall mm-hmm. to get that in the school district in the county. And so then, but we do when we are reacting mm-hmm. to something to a shooting. And that's what I'm saying. An
16: injustice sure. like the case.
5: And that's what I'm saying. Or even to the point where um, the billions that were passed uh, by, by the bills in Congress will get. Guess what? communities have to then say, well, this is what we want built. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, we're not putting in our request when that money gets passed. Then we go, we ain't get none of it because we also didn't put in a request.
16: Well, we just have to be clear that the the status quo supports the other side, supports the white community. So Mayor Collar uh, doesn't have to do anything and that community is going to be enriched. Here's here's two reasons one because regardless of who's elected on the County Commission on the Board of Education or the City Council You can't raise the millage rate and that benefits the de facto property owners at which are disproportionately white In our community and as long as you don't do that they'll let you get elected the second thing you do is you raise user fees which is a regressive form of tax Mm -hmm. that burdens the poorest people. Mm -hmm. So while you say you have a surplus, you really haven't funded government to the tune that needs to be funded because you don't Mm want to tax white, wealthy landowners who want to keep their source of wealth. That's the first thing. Let's just be honest about that. And secondly, as long as you don't touch your judiciary, they Mm -hmm. don't care if you hold an office. Mm -hmm. And so our judiciary is as white as it's always been. Every single office, every single judge, every single prosecutor, in a, dist- in a district that is made up of 40% black is all white. They don't even have a janitor down there who is black. And so it's got to reach into those places, into their pocketbooks to pay for our futures, just like our past has paid for there right now. And it's got to reach into who decides what laws are going to be enforced and what laws are gonna be bypassed. Because when black folks look at that, they say, I see representation but I, I want to know what you're going to do about the taxation. I see representation. What you're going to do with the folks who wear the robes?
22: So how do we solve think, that? Don't
18: we solve yeah, that through elections? Well, well I think that the, the opportunity that we're missing here is that we get elections, but we don't get governing. Exactly. That's the thing that we're missing. That's, and that's and that's you know. Uh, and and I'm going to be truthful. You know, when it comes to campaigning, 2017, 2021, I was extremely fortunate. Um, we had more than enough people knocking on doors. We had more than enough people, you know, putting up signs and doing all of those things. But a week after we won, I felt alone. Mm. Um, and, it was, alone. and it was like, you know what I'm saying? I'm right I mean it Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that's because I could call... A group of people, and they're going to show up—five, ten, fifteen people. But the governing
5: piece—that's
18: right. yes. the piece where we need—and the way and that we—that's we, that's what I'm talking, and, and that—and
5: that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Go ahead. Yeah, and so—and so, and so the
18: caveat that we did uh was this: is that we introduced commissions. We turned those people that was knocking on doors. No, you're a member of the commission now, ain't that right, Keisha? That's I see. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We turned them into commissions so that it ain't just on me to keep investing right. into the youth, to keep right. investing into infrastructure. Now you said this is what you wanted. That's called the, the spoils of winning. Exactly. And so now we've introduced these commissions, and now they're doing the work that we talked about. And so now we're passing the legislation, we're funding the things that we want to. And, and, and this is what I'm going to say about progressives we're too nice. When you, oh, have the opportunity, when you have the opportunity to govern, govern. That's right. Do the thing With that you hammer. said you was going that's to right. do. Right. Because here, this that's is what right. we got to understand.
22: Because they're going to use
18: theirs. This, this is what we got to understand. Our policies, unlike theirs, actually work. See, that's, we, here we are. We got a progressive mayor. That's, that's, that's African-American, this city has never seen this kind of economic growth because we actually said we're not just going to fix the roads on the south side of town. We're going to do it on the west side of town, too. Yes, sir. We're not just going to build up parks that's outside of the city. We're going to build up parks inside of the city. We're, going, we're not just going to build on in places that's been historically getting the benefits year after year. We've shown that progressive policies actually work. And that's what we have to stand on. We got the, co- the conservatives. You never elect them to government because they don't like government. They don't it. And they want to dismantle government. Except for right that,
22: that? abortion.
5: abortion. Yeah. No, 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 no. See, everybody, they holler, yeah. they don't like government exactly. until yeah. that flood hit. Yes, exactly. Until that, until hurricane. that hurricane hit. <laughs> until that tornado yes. hit. Mm-hmm. or or and also this is also where i think i think people d- progressives who run mm-hmm. the rally is the amount of money Georgia Mississippi South Carolina mm-hmm. Tennessee Arkansas gets back from the federal government mm-hmm. is far more than the state than the than the state taxpayers Put into the systems, mm-hmm. and so, but, but, and so, and a lot of times we don't want to mention that. And my and so that I do it all the time. Yep. So that's why I say I don't want to hear no red state governor mm-hmm. talk about they can't stand the federal government. You a lie, yeah. Cause, cause there you don't Kemp ain't got a surplus to tout. Mm-hmm. If it that's that's a federal government exactly. surplus. That's
18: CARES Act. Exactly. That's the American that's recovery. The that's, right. that's where that money is coming right. from. And we got to understand the game. Cause like that's it's cute to say you got a surplus, that's right? But we had a surplus before the pandemic locally. And so see, there, and
5: see progresses so, also, yeah. and see again, I'm way more gangster and I'm way petty <laughs> than y'all then, because if 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 I'm if I'm if I'm here and I'm and I know somebody who's touting money mm-hmm. that came from the federal government who voted against it. I'll be showing up at the ribbon cutting. You voted against it.
18: You voted yes. against it. Yes. The, uh-uh.
5: We don't want you in the photo. That's right. The only folk who voted for the money yeah. get to be in the photo. Yeah. No. Some, sometimes you got to embarrass folks because yeah. they are taking credit.
18: Exactly.
5: For the work exactly. somebody else did, exactly. and then and then want to be in the photo and mm-hmm. vote against it the whole time. Exactly. I just think you got to call them out.
16: Well, yeah. you don't you, you don't you don't mind not being loved right now. Mm-hmm. But so oh, you know, I, we, I, I we have folks. Who, I love myself. Position. I'm good. We yeah. have folks who get elected position mm-hmm. who care more about being invited to different mm-hmm. events and being loved by people who cannot stand them mm-hmm. than doing what is right right now. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's just the balancing act you've got to do. Either either you're going to do what is right, or you're going to do what is popular.
5: So, I'll give, I'll give you an example. So, when, when I talk about how, how he moves a lot, so, so, you take Tennessee. Tennessee just announced, the state of Tennessee just announced that they're going to build um, a $2 billion domed stadium for the Tennessee Titans. The state of Tennessee is going to contribute 500 million of the 2 billion. That's mm-hmm. 25%. Mm-hmm. This is the same state where the committee determined that they have underfunded mm-hmm. Tennessee State by 500 million. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And what I have been asking NAACP in Tennessee, Urban League, mm-hmm. other organizations, HBCU graduates, and I've said, please let me know when y'all are having your mass mobilization trying to shut the state capital down saying y'all ain't going to give no 500 million for a stadium for a billionaire football team sure. mm-hmm. and not give 500 million to Tennessee state. Again, that requires mo organization mm-hmm. mobilization. And so I put this out there now for several weeks and folks like, eh? and I'm like, y'all that's 500 mo-. and see. And I think that's, that's the piece there. We, we, we are excellent mm-hmm. at being reactionary, mm-hmm. mobilizing in a massive way to a shooting mm-hmm. or to somebody being called an N word mm-hmm. or a student being beaten by a resource officer in a school. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we're not as ticked off for 500 million to a billion.
16: Well, I just. Yeah let it be known, I was state president of the Georgia NAACP Mm -hmm. when the Falcons tore down the Georgia, the Georgia dome and and built the Mercedes Benz stadium. Not only did we cry out about that, we filed and support lawsuits against the state, which was depriving the students of Atlanta because either you own the stadium or you don't. Mm -hmm. If you own the stadium, you should pay taxes. If you don't own the stadium and you lease it, then we should share in the revenues. Mm -hmm. Either way, uh, Arthur Blank and the Atlanta Falcons made off like a fat cat, and the taxpayers on the hook for it. It's unpopular, but it was the right thing to do. And so there are folks who are lifting their voices about these issues and are trying to mobilize our community. But remember, we're running against a propaganda machine mm-hmm. that, that has made people believe that taking a knee was violent protest and mm-hmm. breaking into the Capitol was legitimate, legitimate discontent. And so, when you are running headlong against a machine like that, where you are, we're trying to dismiss church, so with enough time for folks to see the Falcons lose again, um, it, it, that's the organizing force that we're organizing against. But we won't stop. Those of us who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. And, and,
18: and I want to say this right here: this, this what we don't need to think of either-or terms, right? Because the state government got the money to do both we have to be very clear about that when when no we're going we're going to build a stadium but we're going to also fund Tennessee state too no, because they can we manage- start
16: with what the Constitution yeah. actually says the government yeah. should do? Oh, yeah, And absolutely. funding yeah. a stadium for a billionaire is not yeah. in those annuities. Anew- oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But Providing for the yeah. common defense, yeah. promoting the general welfare. Ex- exactly. Those are things that are listed there.
22: Yeah, well, I, exactly. I see what yeah. Mary yeah. Yeah, we McCullough we, saying. It's not going to stop, so you got to say do both. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to stop.
18: That's what we have to be clear on. It's not a zero-sum exactly. game. You know what I'm saying? And let's look locally. You know what I'm saying? I can work on the Blue Mile and build up cross town too. I'm, I'm okay doing both them. of them. We're going to, just like we're investing to make sure that we get the new publics, we're going to make sure our children are playing in uh, parks with, with cameras, with, with, with Wi-Fi, internet. We're going to make sure our kids got after school programs. We're launching village builders. We are doing all of these things while simultaneously enjoying the benefits of economic growth. We can do both. The problem is, is that those that's representing us is making us think that we got to choose one or another and then using the divide amongst the people to say they don't want you to have because they have. And that's the trick of politics is to make you think that it's a zero sum game when the truth of the matter, they got the money to do both.
5: So here's the question. Go
7: ahead. Go, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Go you, ahead.
5: Go
22: ahead. You, you was concerned about when is the mobilization going to start, right? mm mm-hmm. Is that,
5: that was. The yeah, I'm a, because that's where pressure comes in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I, I understand again, inside outside mm-hmm. the outside pressure actually should be the, the outside people should always be talking to the inside people mm-hmm. because the inside folk like now you know the outside people going to act a fool yeah. y'all might want to go and cut this deal they work together the yep. problem is when we have black people who are inside people mm-hmm. who don't want to talk to the outside people yeah. And then you're not working in concert. Yeah.
16: But that's the genius of uh, William Barber, who's the architect of Moral Monday. Mm-hmm. In addition to launching Moral Monday in North Carolina, we started one in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Raphael Warnock went to jail
3: protesting.
16: Mm-hmm. I was there with him, sitting mm-hmm. beside him in the governor's office to expand Medicaid. Folks said, "You don't get people to mobilize around Medicaid. They don't know the difference between Medicaid, Medicare. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're not. That's not a sexy issue. It was, and it was not just." Uh, an issue that galvanized the Moral Monday that saw attention put on protest again. It was the precursor for the kind of uh, tactics that were used by the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I think you're right. Uh, Those of us who hold positions uh, need to consider something beyond the title, and -hmm. that is what is our responsibility? Mm -hmm. Will future generations... Look to us like we look to those who came before us, mm-hmm. and say they stood up and did what they could and made a way for us today.
5: So, final, so final round here, and that is this here. Uh, how many more days of early voting in Georgia? What is that?
18: This? What 14 actual days until yes. yes. election election day?
5: Gotcha. So it uh, it ends uh, what Sunday? On the
18: Friday before you know election is, it? day, which the is, fifth, is the so fifth. Fourth the 4th it is okay. yeah november the
16: 4th All right, so another round of saturday voting some places the 29th uh in this state so if you uh, wherever you that's, are it, the, the most important thing you can do if you need information on this on on where to vote mm-hmm. on the days and the counties that have saturday voting go to ready set dot vote that's ready set dot vote you can get information on the candidates mm-hmm. you can see a sample ballot you can check your registration you can find out where to cast your ballot you can make a plan do not wait to election day. It's too critical. Go and put it in the box tomorrow.
5: Organization-wise, are y'all look are y'all looking at the numbers every single day and seeing what places are voting, who's who's up, who's down and where you need to send folk to drive them out?
22: Personally, I'm not. I just looked at Bullet Counties on today.
16: So. so she she's working at the local. This is, this is such a great panel. Yvette is working through Black Voters Matter at the very local level, so right organizing now, folks here in Bullock. County. Got it. So yep. right now, as asking. of
22: today, we got under a hundred thousand, uh, under a thousand black voters have turned out for early voting mm-hmm. right now. So we just gotta say, get to the polls. And we're here in Bullock County.
5: And how many how many eligible black voters you have in Bullock County?
22: It's yeah. Like eleven thousand maybe.
18: What is the number? It's in and
9: around eleven I think to twelve thousand.
22: So
5: so ten percent of your eligible yeah. black voters mm-hmm. have, have have voted.
22: Yeah. I mean, and that's the information I got today. So got that it. may not include the ones. I got, that. got
16: it. And listen, that's that I don't I want folks to be energized because eleven percent of the electorate across the board has voted. Yeah. So if it's ten percent here in Bullock County, right. it's tracking. We also remember that seventy percent of the eligible black voters live in Metro Atlanta. Right, yeah.
22: right.
16: I mean, and that
22: should be understood. And the eighteen to twenty nine population is under six percent right now, so we definitely need y'all to get out and vote.
5: And, and again, that's why that's the reason I'm asking the questions, why I want the data. Uh, so again, repeat that again. So, so you said under six percent, under so of okay. eighteen to twenty nine voters, yes. under six mm-hmm. percent.
22: Right, right, right,
5: right. Which means that. The work uh, of the 11, uh, so of the eleven thousand. Mm-hmm. That's what eleven 000, out of that. No, no,
22: no, no. That's what just in general of the uh, people who have voted early so far. Mm-hmm.
5: Got uh, it. Under you know. Six, so so, so for folks out there, uh, again going back to what show showed North Carolina, we should be having if, if you black and you forty and under, folks should be pressing them, right. Sp- right. getting out to vote because again, that's also the largest group mm-hmm. of actual voters today. Go ahead.
16: So well, there's been 837,597 folks as of the clo- close of polls to today. That's 11% of the electorate. And so I'm, I'm actually encouraged when I see a rural county like this posting 10% of its mm-hmm. eligible black voters. It's tracking. Black voters are, are, are still ahead of their percentage. Mm-hmm. And let me go back and correct something that was said earlier. Black folks make up 32% of the total share of the electorate, not, 30, not a 32% turnout. In the in the election, that was that was a, that's a little different. That's important, so, but but the, the real takeaway for me is that folks are showing up, and they're showing up despite uh, insidious voter suppression. And uh, the folks who are manning the polls and working as uh, as poll workers in our local office deserve to be appreciated as mm-hmm. well. And they're exactly. standing up against absolutely uh, some kind of retrogression and hate uh, that that we haven't seen in a long mm-hmm. time. The New Georgia Project 365 builds power every day in black communities, and we're unashamed about that. Our founder, Stacey Abrams, is on the ballot. You make your choice of who you want to represent this state. Our second chairman, Raphael Warnock, is also on the ballot. You Mm. make your choice about who you want to represent this state. And so we couldn't be more proud of those who are running and to be a big part of uh, the success in getting folks registered and casting their ballot in the state. Thank you, Roland, for being
5: here. I appreciate it. Mayor? I
18: I, want to say two things. I want to make two points very clear. This election should be extremely personal to us. It should be extremely personal we should be going through our social media we should be going through our cell phones we need to be contacting every individual that we know and we should be telling them to go vote and for them to go and to take their family members this is a personal matter for the state of georgia because we are looking at the future of this state and in my opinion The combo that we have right now in Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock speaks to the best of what this state can be. And the second thing I want to say, and I want to be deliberate about saying this about Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams has been on the ground in this state for a very long time. And this is a woman that I've said time and time again is one of the most brilliant peoples, people I have ever met in my life. I literally believe that this woman can do anything that she sets her mind to. And to have that kind of talent in the governor's mansion would speak volumes for the future of this, of this state. But imagine the, how powerful it would be for our little girls to look at that governor's mansion 84% and see a yes. woman that they can identify with and say one day we can be like her. That's right. Go vote.
5: The final comment?
17: Final comment, just picking back on the mobilization, I think it's very important just, you know, to get to the door, not just, you know, on the broader perspective, but show up in these neighborhoods, knock on the door, mm-hmm. educate the voters, and put pressure on them to ask to show up and cast their, their ballot.
5: All right, then. We certainly appreciate it. Go
16: ahead.
17: Oh, I just wanted to say, um,
16: hold, hold the mic up. Okay.
17: I just wanted to say inflation
22: is temporary. We know inflation is going on. We know that corporate profits are driving inflation over 50%, 50%. of these products 50%. that you're paying all this extra from is going to corporate um, profits. Biden didn't create prop, uh, inflation, but your rights are on the ballot. Your rights are on the ballot. It, you know, inflation is temporary, but your rights are on the ballot.
5: One of the reasons why we wanted to uh, to come to places like Statesboro and Swainsboro and Savannah, uh, and of course in 2020 we were in Albany and other places, yeah. uh, is because typically what happens in, in these uh, elections, so much emphasis obviously is put on metro areas. Sure. But one of the reasons why uh, Republicans have won in places like Texas and others is that they've actually run up huge vote totals in a collection of small areas. That's right. And so what then happens is that negates your large metro areas. Uh, And so I keep saying uh, that we have to be hitting numbers that others are not hitting. So if if you have 11,000 black folks uh, who are eligible uh, in a county, uh, we should be seeing 75% of them voting. We've mm-hmm. got to maximize uh, our numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has to happen. Uh, that's how Harold Washington won yes, as right. mayor of Chicago that's right. uh, when black Jackson. folks turned out 80% yes. uh, of, of, total, uh, of, of the eligible population actually voted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we simply cannot have cities where it's 20, 24, 25, 28, and 30% mm-hmm. I mean, we simply are not utilizing uh, the power. No. Uh, and for, for all y'all folk out there, and y'all know exactly who I'm talking to, and <laughs> I ain't got no problem calling y'all out, y'all can holler cut the check. Y'all can holler tangibles all y'all want to. But let me tell you something right now. It's some folk on the other side, they showing up.
16: Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this is- showing That's right. They're showing up, and they're going
5: to show out, sure. and then you're going to be left hollering the same thing after Election Day and they're going to be in power. So it's up to you. Uh, let me thank the folks here, the Agape for allowing us to be here. Thank you so very much. Uh, thank you for the panel as well. Thank you for all of y'all uh, for attending. Uh, folks, tomorrow we're going to be uh, in Swainsboro. So uh, look for us broadcasting from there tomorrow. Don't forget, if you want to download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. You can also support us by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, see and check in money over the P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037 196 Six. The cash app is Dallas on RM Unfiltered. PayPal is Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. And Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. And, of course, get your copy of my new book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. Y'all know I ain't lying. Uh, you can get it, of course, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any bookstore. Uh, uh, also, Target. Download it from Audible. And, of course, order from your favorite bookstore, black bookstore, as well. All right, folks, I will see y'all tomorrow. Holla! Yeah, Thank you.